Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I wonder if that cyber thing has been around for a few days. I know that... We've had an email already this morning from a man. I'll read it in a minute. He's very worried about something. The HSE are saying that the vaccine rollout isn't affected and that everybody who has an appointment for today, tomorrow, across the weekend should just go along. And that is great. But the man who's sending us an email is a bit concerned about something else. Um, and there's been rumours. Black Knight, which is a huge company. Um, Black, Black Knight is, is a massive website hosting company. In this country, we understand from our own context that they, they, they've been watching something for the last few days uh, and that this thing that's affecting HSE this morning hasn't just arrived out of the blue. It seemed to have escaped the net. It's, it's a thing called um, a distributed denial of service attack, a DDoS, I'm told. Um, this is from our own IT context. It's is flooding a website with requests. Automated stuff, obviously. Faster than it can handle it. And that causes, obviously, it causes the website to crash. It's a bit like, do you know the way you go into something trying to buy... You know, you're trying to buy tickets on Ticketmaster for a, for a gig and the website crashes. Well, this is an artificial crash caused by this sort of cyber malware invasion. And then they look for money. To, to release it, to release you from it. That appears to be what's going on. And it is affecting the HSE's IT. They say that the vaccination rollout isn't affected. And very importantly, that if you have an appointment today or tomorrow or Sunday or whenever, go, go, because you are you will get your jab. We've had a, an email from, from a man who's quite concerned about something he's noticed over the last few days. Also, we're going to take a look at the COVID numbers 
today in a way we haven't done before. I'm going to look at them in a little bit of a different light uh, during the morning. But first, I want to go to that dramatic rescue at sea uh, overnight. And I want to talk to Vincent O'Donovan from Court McSherry RNLI uh, Lifeboat. Vincent, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Go through what happened for me, sir, will you please? Yeah, I suppose, look, uh, it happened at uh, about quarter to two this morning. We know our bleepers alongside the bed go, go off and uh, uh, we jump out of bed and uh, the crew of the Corbettshire lifeboat, uh, they'd, they'd head to the station immediately. I suppose we, when we saw what was on the screen, we, 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 we were very concerned because it said that there was a boat on fire. And uh, look, uh, immediately, probably within about 10 minutes, uh, our lifeboat... Uh, would have uh, taken off from its moorings in Cork Mac with seven on board, and there was there was a there was a serious incident happening about twenty miles off the old Hedekin sail when a uh, a trawler fishing they just tar- started fishing and uh, they caught fire um, uh, with four persons on board and you know it happened so fast that the the the, the fire had engulfed them quickly and they, they had to take to their uh, their life raft. Mm. They're okay, I presume. Absolutely, absolutely. They're they're experienced fishermen, obviously, and uh, thanks to the God, they 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 they, uh, they were able to get out of their accommodation. I think the the fire started in the accommodation section of it. You know, you know, mid midnight now, but probably they'd be they'd be two people fishing and two people asleep, and uh, uh, they were able to get out uh, before the flames uh, engulfed them, and uh, they had their life jackets on. In the, the, the inflated their life raft, the big orange life raft, mm-hmm. and in they jumped. In experienced men of the sea then knew what they were doing, which is Ab- which is absolutely brilliant. you know, and as most fishermen would be, you know. And uh, thanks to God, this morning there was uh, once that mayday was put out by the uh, the, uh, the the trawler. Uh, very quickly, we, we, we the, 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 the Coast Guard uh, Marine uh, Rescue Coordination Centre in Valencia, they would have lost uh, contact with the, uh, the, uh, the boat because they had gone and abandoned and gone to their life rafts. Yeah. And uh, the Mayday Relay then would have alerted all the boats in the locality. And, and another thanks be to God, there was uh, a lot of decommissioning of the Kinsale gas field out there at the moment. Mm-hmm. So there's big uh, supply boats out there. Uh, and uh, they raced to the rescue uh, very quickly. Thanks for that. Yeah, great to see, great to see. Just you mentioned that your bleepers go, went off about quarter to two. Uh, so, so in the time that the bleeper goes off until the time you arrive at the scene, how long did that take, Vincent? Usually, I suppose it's, it, it, it's a thing with lifeboat people, you know, uh, everybody races as quick as they can, you know, with whatever clothes they can get on them, uh, and... Uh, They'd arrive, and within about three minutes, they'd arrive at the station, you know, wow. in reality, because somebody living very closely. Then uh, the first seven, under the coxswain mechanic, will be, uh, will be out to that boat and have it underway within 10 to 12 minutes. You know, it's a, it's a fast operation. Wow. They're, they're well trained about, about this because the, the urgency this morning was fire and people could be in the water. Yeah, a fire at sea is a horrific thing to see. It is, it is, it is, and it was darkness, it was pitch darkness this morning now, and uh, uh, it was, and uh, obviously immediately the Coast Guard, the Rescue 117 helicopter from, from Waterford was tasked as well, 
and uh, it was an amazing, uh, probably an amazing first hour uh, to, to have all the, the boats and the rescue services coordinating together uh, to making sure that uh, those four people were rescued quickly and uh, and uh, were able to be um, were able to be transferred to the lifeboat uh, from the supply vessel mm. and then brought back to to, to shore in Cork. We arrived back in I suppose about about uh, about just after five p five a.m. and uh, they were well relieved and well and well and well. Uh, well, thankful to all the rescue services. I'll bet. I'll bet. It, it, one of my favourite songs always comes to mind when I hear that story, The Great Home from the Sea, always comes to mind. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And it's, it's, it's days like this and it's mornings like this, you know, uh, you'd be proud to be involved in rescue services, such as the Arnold and the Coast Guard. And there are some great stations and there's seven stations around the, around the coast of Cork and they're, they're, they've been open calls in the last... Last week in Newnan Hall and Baltimore and Castledon Bear and Kinsale and Belly Cotton and Yall and Crosshaven, and all the Coast Guard units that are around the coast as well that are that are on alert all the time. We 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 we're really proud to be involved. Right. And you know the lads who are volunteers now, Vincent. Like, yes. have they got to get up after being out like that, out at sea doing this wonderful work? Have they got to get up now and go to a job? Absolutely, absolutely. Wow. That's the nature of the game. I suppose I'm involved in lifeboats for about thirty five years myself. So look, it's it's a it's a normal. We've got to do a day's work today. I've got to go train train uh, the my our hurlers tonight at half at half seven. So there's no rest for us. And, and one of the crew came out. Darren Gannon came off this morning and said, "Gee, I've got a I've got a conference call at nine o'clock that I can't put off." So yes, they do. But you know, the adrenaline flows. I suppose you know it's it's lucky it's Friday. You know, tomorrow's a day off maybe for most people. But yes, back back they go. But if there was a call out again today them same people would be up and at it and down to the station, which yeah. is great for, uh, it's great, it's, it's, and it's a fantastic commitment. I know that the RNLI has a great fundraiser going this month called May Day Mile. Can you tell me yes. about that? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's, it's, the big, it's the big fundraiser because fundraising isn't easy at the moment. In reality, fundraising, we have to go online with lots of our, 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 our fundraising and it launched the May Day Mile fundraiser and it's, it's, it's a big one and it's, it's, you can sign up at rnli.org, support May Day. Uh, and if you want to go out there and uh, uh, do a few miles of walking or running or whatever you want to do and raise some funds for the lifeboat, it is greatly appreciated because that is our bread and butter. We thank everybody who supports the Arnoloy. Uh, it's fantastic. OK. Well, listen, thank you once again for the service, Vincent, that you guys and do. You. And thank you, Peter. Thank Cheers. You. Take care. That's Vincent O'Donovan. From Court McSherry, Arnoloy Lifeboat on the Opinion Line in Cork's 96FM. Four lives saved at sea. Uh, during the night um, to, it, and it's the work of the lifeboats that carry them home home from the sea it's, it's a wonderful song look it up you'll, you'll find it on YouTube you'll find it in many many Spotify written by Phil Coulter um, after a tragedy in his own life and made famous uh, made a global hit by the wonderful Liam Clancy Home for the Sea I might get a snatch of it on at some stage before we finish today just on a day like this that song resonates home from the sea and uh, thank you to everybody involved and remember the May Day Mile uh, you are helping the kind of work that Vincent and the crew did overnight 1850 that email that came in with regard to the IT I'll get to it it's just someone worried and worried about something that he has noticed 
in the last couple of days because this HSE thing didn't happen overnight. And as I said, there's a lot of quiet talk in IT circles with the last two or three days that something was happening. And now we know what that something was. But I cannot believe it. Up in front of my eyes on screen is the number 400. Madeline Whelan, 400 days. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Unbelievable. Since the 9th of April last year. Yeah, 400 days we're here. Uh, and just to remind people again, Debenhams in Mahan Point and Debenhams in Patrick Street. And where are you right now? You're in Patrick Street. I'm Patrick Street, yeah. I'm on the lane, actually, on duty. Okay. Since half six this morning. And you're still at it? Still at it. Yeah. You must be getting a bit browned off at this stage. Well, I suppose the boat is on at the moment and we have the battle next Thursday and I suppose there is kind of a light at the end of the tunnel. We're hoping that it will be a yes vote. Yeah. Remind, remind people again, Madeline, what, what you're voting on. It's a three million wellness fund that's going to help people or like ourselves to retrain and to get something out of it, really, do you know? It's, 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 it's a wide open fund, so there's different parts of it that I actually can't, you know, discuss it as such and this past. Sure, sure. Um... Has but the we'll union issued a recommendation? Your the your mandate rep has has the union issued a recommendation? Well, the mandate have are are going for it, yes. But I suppose at the end of the day, it's not what we were looking for, PJ. It's sure. the best we're going to get, and sure. we're going to walk away with something. We're not going to go away without anything. And plus, the, as from day one, as we've said, it's the legislation we're looking for as well for the generation that's coming behind us. We're yeah. not standing here for no reason. I'll, I'll get to the the legislation in a minute because we were talking to Mick Barry about that earlier in the week and what he wants to do, which is similar to what would happen in say Portugal or France or Greece, um, and, and it would be for the, the workers of the future, yeah. because even though if it passes, it'll be called the Debenhams Bill, but unfortunately it can't help you guys. No. Um, you're not going to get what was agreed in 2016, it, it just isn't there, and everything's been exhausted, and th- this three million, this was the this was the deal, wasn't it, that was negotiated with Kevin Foley? It, it was originally, but the the deal in November was a, a training fund, whereas this has been changed. They've gone back to Kevin Foley and um, they've come up with a wellness fund that is not particularly for training. There's other aspects of it. Yeah, right. And you, know? you kind of said, look, look, there's really not a whole pile else on the table, so we might as well take this. Is that it? That's it, really. It's as good as we're going to get. Well, as I said, we're not happy with it. Mm. But it's the best we're going to get, and we're not going to walk away after 400 days with nothing. Yeah. Now, in terms of the bill, and talking to Mick about it during the week, what he wants and what the bill says is that when a business like that closes, that the workers have an equal, if not a superior right, to be sorted out first to the banks and the revenue. And that this already happens in places like Portugal and in Greece and in France. But effectively, if the company doesn't have the money, it'll come out of the taxpayer's pocket anyway. But but to put the worker up up the chain of command, as it were, that's and what you want to achieve. Yeah, up on the credit list that we come up on the credit list. Like, where is the worker now, Madeline? If so, if 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 another shop closes tomorrow, at the bottom, at the very bottom, at the very bottom. So the bank, the revenue, who else in between? Anyone else that is owed money bar the staff. That's literally a PJ. Wow. The other thing that that this bill would do uh, is the 2016 deal that you had on the table that unfortunately Mr Foley with the best will in the world couldn't 
get that honoured. The law doesn't allow it to be honoured. Our agreement, yeah. Yeah, your agreement. agreement. That's gone by the board because the law says it's gone by the board. This legislation would change that. It would set it in stone that you have to get it. Yes, that would be the other part. There would be two parts of that bill. But as you know, it's been deferred for 12 months by the government. They couldn't make a decision on it. And there's the thing, Madeline, with that. And I know mandate being the, the shop workers union, you know, you represent far more than than Debenhams workers, you represent tens of thousands of retail workers who, because of the pandemic, are, you know, they're, they're living in fear that, that they'll be next. So over the next 12 months, because of the deferral of the building, there won't be any protection. No, and that's why they was deferred for a month. They couldn't make a decision. If it was yes or no, it would have been easier. But no, they deferred it. They sat on the fence, as usually they do. Yeah. Ten years ago, we have had... Um, Cortex. Cortex. I was I was only watching really in the really in the years the other night, and yeah, and, and the yeah. Vita Cortex was on it. Yeah, yeah. And here we are, ten years later. And clear is. As we said from day one, we wouldn't be the first, and we weren't, and we won't be the last. Yeah. I, just on, on a broader note, Madeline, in terms of of who picks up the tab when these things happen, and they do, uh, if the bill were to, to to go through eventually, like it would put it on the on the taxpayer, really, wouldn't it? To, to sort this out? Well, it would, I suppose. But, I mean, if the employers, there'll have to be something done about that as well, that there'd have to be a percentage of employers would have to pay into a fund, like yes. they do in the rest of the countries. Yes, yes. Because in, in other countries, like Portugal, France and Greece, the employer yeah. is obliged to put aside a fund and have it. Yeah. 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 Okay. But All there's right. another country, PJ, why can't we do it? Why yeah. should we be the last country as usual? Yeah, yeah. We do it for insurance companies. Someone pointed that out. We do it for insurance companies. You can't operate as an insurance company in this country unless you have cash reserves that if you happen to go out of business, everything is sorted. And there's enough grants there, surely, that the government can bring in a grant for this as well for them. Yeah. You know, the company setting up in Ireland, they're getting it for everything else. Yeah, we all pay, well, we, we all pay a levy for that. So yeah, the taxpayer yeah. is paying for all this. So the scheme, scheme there are people who say... And have been saying since day one, ah, sure, look, this happens and there really is nothing you can do. That, that's, that's a BS argument. Because it is, and they're saying, they're saying that they paid the statutory redundancy to us. But I've worked for 30 years, PJ. I've paid my statutory redundancy over and over in taxes and PRSI. Yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Yeah. 400 yeah. days, Madeline. When, when will you know the result of the ballot? Thursday, next Thursday. Next PJ. Thursday. And if... I know we don't want to deal in if, but if it's accepted, and we don't know until the day, if it's accepted, will will that be the end of this? Well, there'll be a decision made after that, really, PJ, and we'll see what will happen, but like it'll have to be, really. I mean, the Packers are in store since last Tuesday in Patrick Street, where the last store, where the last man standing. So right. they're in there packing just the goods so we can see them, which is heartbreaking, really, you know. Of it's, course it's it hard, is. And that's going to be the hardest part for us to walk away eventually from it. Yeah. yeah so there's been... There's been children born and all during this. Yes. How how is that little one going doing? She's actually clear with her. It's actually last night because we were here late as well last night. Yeah. And um, she's good. She's very good. Yeah. But I mean, it's she's nearly six months old. Crikey! And I remember interviewing Claire down on the picket line. And was, right. it, was, it, was it was it was it was it two hundred? No, was it a hundred days? No, it was 164. Was 164 days, the same, the same length as Vita Cortex. That's right. And she yeah. was down. She yeah. was down at, at the. <laughs> she wasn't far to go at that stage. No, no, no. And she was here last night without baby dress. But she look. Yeah. That's just it. 400 days. I remember we saying when we get to 100, and then we got to the 100, and we 200, and as yeah. you say, it's gone on and on and on. 
Past 10 summer. <laughs> I remember Val saying if she has to be there on her 90th birthday. <laughs> Hopefully she won't be this age, DJ. All right. Listen, Madeline, good luck to everybody. At least the weather is, is, is nice, but you've been there through the winter, through the worst of it. Uh, the Debenhams workers phone 400 days today. Thank you, Madeline Whelan. She's the mandate rep in, in Debenhams. 400 days today since they were told by text messages that their jobs were gone. And look, we've been over and over and over this. Under the law, there wasn't a whole pile could be done for them. In fact, there wasn't really anything could be done for them. But they pushed and they pushed and they've tried and they've tried. And this package is now on the table after a lot of pulling and Toing and froing and horse trading and Kevin Foley, one of the best negotiators in the business, involved. There's a deal there. Now they've got to see can they accept it. And their attitude is, well, Christ, it's not what we want. It's not what we wanted, but it's the best we're going to get. Um, but for the for the workers of the future, something needs to be done. And just watching Wheeling in the Years, and we'll be talking about Wheeling in the Years a bit later if you're enjoying the new series. I think the new series is brilliant. But the Vita Cortex one came up uh, in the episode I was watching the other night, and I just thought, Christ, we're still at it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. Mitchellstown CBS Parents Council are organising a Zoom fundraising bingo to run every Friday night at 8pm from Friday the 30th of April. Bingo books can be purchased online at cbsmitchellstown.com or ordered through the school with fantastic prizes to be won each week. Proceeds from the events will go to the ongoing work of the Parents Council. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email corkdiary at 96fm.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Call us now 1850 715 996 On Corks 96FM Right, this HSE is a kind of a rolling story uh, it has now shut down its IT systems. This is the latest in about the last half an hour. It has shut down its IT systems after what they call a significant ransomware attack. Uh, the chief executive, Paul Reed says it's a major incident for the health service. Uh, it was made aware of the attack during the night, currently being contained, shutting down all national and local IT systems in order to protect them. This morning the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin issued a statement calling on anyone who had an appointment today just not to come in because uh, unless it's an an emergency um, we're watching this with interest. If it has any effect on local services here at CUH, CUMH etc etc, we'll let you know. However we did get this email. The HSE have said and they've insisted that the vaccination clinics that are on today if you have an appointment, you should go because the clinics will go ahead as planned today, will go ahead as planned across the weekend. If you have an appointment for a clinic, go because it will go ahead. But we got this email from Donal early this morning. He can't come on the air because he's, he's driving for a living. But he said, I'm just hearing on the news, PJ, that the HSE have been the victims of some kind of cyber attack. I don't know too much about these things. But I have a funny feeling this isn't something that happened overnight. I'm in my early 50s. I've been trying to register for my COVID vaccine since last Monday. I made my latest attempt before leaving the house around 7 this morning. I drive a lorry 
for a living, so I won't be near a computer now until after about four o'clock. Since I first tried to register, the same thing has been happening. I get to a certain point in the process, then it just stops and I get a screen that asks me to try later. Obviously, the system is very busy, and at first I took no notice. But PJ, it's been happening since Monday. I've been trying before and after work every day. Is anybody else having a problem like that? I heard on the radio this morning that all of the vaccine clinics are going ahead and they're not affected by what's happening. That's great, but could you find out whether the booking system is unaffected or not? I'm very anxious to get my vaccine. Thanks, have a nice Friday. And that's from... Donald, so have you been trying to register the last couple of days? Have you noticed that? That it's been kind of slow, being, you know, jumped out with this please come back later screen, please come back later, which you kind of wonder if you, if you get that once or twice, grand, but according to Donald's email, he's been getting that since Monday. This come back later, come back later, two or three times a day when he tries. I wonder is it connected because we, we now, the IT community, shall we say, who know these things, they, they have been sort of aware of a bad smell, shall we say, for a few days, and it seems to have come to the surface this morning. I'm going to hold off on COVID numbers. We're going to look at them in a totally different light this morning, uh, because Cork's had some heavy numbers in the last few days, which would worry you until you dig. Go digging. And they're not particularly worrying. You need to be careful, but our numbers are okay. 1850-715-996. Let us go to the Minister for the Office of Public Works, Patrick O'Donovan. Minister, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. There is a scheme kicking off this morning for free entry to visitor sites. Tell me more. That's right. Well, look, <clears throat> first of all, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, the, the OPW, as you know, have um, responsibility for maintaining... Um, visitor and heritage sites uh, on behalf of the government up and down the country and um, this year what we're doing is um, we have a number of sites all over the country including in Cork um, where we charge small fees um, but what I've decided to do this year is uh, as a, as a uh, gesture in response to staycationing and trying to get people first of all to visit our sites but more importantly to visit our sites and spend money in the local community is um, we're waiving the fees uh, and we're going to absorb the cost of waiving the fees um, within our own budget. So it's it's a €3 million Euro cost um, and it's an investment that we're making really into local communities that we're trying to get, um, first of all, people, as I say, to, to visit our sites uh, and then more importantly, and what we're, we're, we're asking people to do is uh, to come, uh, enjoy the sites, number one, but to go across the road or to go across the street uh, go to the coffee shop, the restaurant, the hotel, the gift shop. The we grocery. would if they were open, Minister. Well, as soon as we get the green light from the, the CMO, and most of our sites are open outdoors, um, as soon as we get the, the, the green light from the CMO, um, we will open all of the ones indoor. Uh, what we have at the moment is we have 54 out of our 90 are open, yeah. um, and the remainder, as uh, we get the green light to open indoors, um, they'll open based on medical advice. What's open in Cork? So the ones that, uh, that we will have, um, that are the ones that are ch- to be charged, uh, that where the sites will be, that will be free under this scheme, will be Charlesfort, Donnerail, uh, Fota and Garanish Island. And then we have a number spread all over County Cork uh, where they wouldn't be um, charged, but they would be free guided or self-guided. Right. What, would we, what, what would one normally pay to get into Garnish, for example? So they'd be, they'd be nominal um, and they'd be a couple of euros. But uh, for some of, them, uh, some of the sites, say, for instance, 
they would have um, their family passes and others then you would have um, if the person had um, a heritage pass uh, those can be refunded um, in 2022 they can carry the fees over mm. uh, to the following year and I take it that you've cleared all this with, with Neffet uh, in that sort of you, you, obviously you, you want people to come out and visit these these beauty spots but you know if they are free more people might come I take it that you're liaising with the public oh, health absolutely. experts to make sure it's done safely oh yeah well I mean we're, we, we are very conscious of the fact and we did this last year as well where we managed social distance um our guides are very conscious of the fact that we'll manage social distancing. We have hand sanitising stations. Um, you know, we'll take in um, based on the size of rooms, especially uh, where we'd have um, in some of our old stately homes and things like that, uh, say uh, in a different county like the likes of Kilkenny Castle or Dublin Castle, uh, where we would have uh, stately rooms. We will, we will take in a certain number of limited people based on the size of the room. Our Kilmainham jail, for instance, um, based on the size of the room, we, we will have all of those measured. Um, but we will obviously take advice from the chief medical officer uh, to take indoor uh, tours, the same as every other museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're conscious of the fact as well that we will ventilate, so all of our windows will be open. Um, but we've done this uh, last year, in, in last summer, but we didn't go the full hog uh, in opening all of our sites free. But this year, considering that we nobody, I think, expected that the pandemic would run into the second year, I've decided this year that, uh, and I was former minister for tourism, so I know that the OPW plays a huge part, particularly mm. in rural and regional Ireland. Um, I mean, we have over 7 million visitors to our sites. Now, at its peak, 9 million people visited our sites because we depended it to a huge degree on international visitors, but it'll just show you how many domestic visitors visited yeah. OPW sites. But we want more people to visit them this year because we know in regional Ireland, particularly in a county like Cork and the southwest, mm. um, that the impact that domestic tourism has is enormous oh, yeah. and we want oh, more yeah. people to visit. You, you, you mentioned that and you, we... Earlier on, you were talking about the people that miss their, save their couple of euro, say going into Garnish Island, might pop across the road and go to the coffee shop or the cafe or the restaurant, but they're, they're not open and won't be for a while. They will and be soon. They will be soon. As a former Minister for Tourism, uh, you'll, you'll be aware of the importance of that sector and you'll be aware, no doubt, of a bit of political pressure mounting to try to get all of the hotels and the pubs and the restaurants open on the same day. Is there any possibility at all, uh, Minister, that that might happen? Uh, Not making you a short answer, I don't know. Uh, And you would say I'm biased because I come from a house uh, where there um, are publicans. Um, I have, uh, you know, uh, my own view is that I'm glad, first of all, to see that the government is mo- is moving in the in the uh, line that they've abolished this link between wet pubs and food pubs and all of the rest of it. I think that that is a good thing. Um, but uh, we have to be mindful of of the fact of what happened before Christmas, and yes. you know, I, and I'm conscious of that. Um, but look, let's see what pans out over the next uh, couple of days and, and and the next week. I mean, the numbers are are all thankfully going in the right direction. I would be. I'd love to see a situation where everybody could uh, be in a situation where they could all open together. Um, but I'm not a medic, uh, and I have to accept advice that's right. based on scientific evidence. Um, but I would love to see a situation where everybody could go together. That would be that would be the, the best case scenario. Mm-hmm. But um, but it'll be, it'll be it'll be led and said by by, by the, by the medics. This, I, I will say this. Um, a month ago, if anybody told me that we would be in the, the situation that we are today, where I would be on with you today announcing this, 
I would have said you're mad. We will not be in that situation because I wouldn't have thought we would be, we would have been so far down the line of positivity. Yes. And I know that walking around three towns of my own constituency last Monday, Kilmallock, Abbey Field and Newcastle West, that the optimism and hope that I saw in people and the absolute sheer joy that you could see in people. Ah, yeah, there's, um, no, there's no doubt about it. There so is a great sense of positivity there. And, a week and, uh, won't, uh, you know, a week or 10 days is a lot. I accept that, particularly in a short window of a tourism and hospitality sector that has been so ravaged. Um, but let's see what the next week brings. Okay, okay. Just coming back to the OPW, in terms of photo, Minister, do, do you mean the photo house, not the wildlife park? Because no. people are calling us about the wildlife park. No, I mean, I mean the Arboretum. Uh, because uh, FOTA, as you know, um, we, have, we also have um, and we are developing a relationship and I'm glad to have you know, a relationship with the Wildlife Park. Uh, the Wildlife Park is a separate entity, but the OPW has now a relationship with the Wildlife Park. We have a once-off relationship where we, uh, you will recall, they had a financial difficulty earlier yeah. in the year and the government looked for a vehicle to channel money to um, the Wildlife Park. And I put up my hand and I said, the OPW will do it. And actually, I hope to go down there um, next week uh, to visit the Wildlife Park sure. to see what's going on there. And if there's further assistances that the Wildlife Park need into the future, yeah. uh, the OPW now... Uh, no, I, I mean in terms of the free admission. That is not for the Wildlife Park. No, no, no. it's not for the Wildlife Park. Because the wildlife, park, the wildlife Park is a separate entity. It's a separate business. Separate I just want, because people, people are calling, when people, no, minister, when no, people hear photo, they, they think Wildlife Park. Uh, I think there's the there's the house, there's the arboretum, there's the gardens, there's the there's the hotel and leisure centre, obviously, and yeah. then there's the the wildlife park. So it's 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 the arboretum that you mean. Okay, thank you very much, Minister for the Office of Public Works, Patrick O'Donovan. Thank you for being with us on the opinion line. Whether there'll be any move, uh, I don't know. In terms of getting everyone open at the same time, we were talking yesterday with Paul Trevo about his The Plan, as he calls it, which is pressure, political pressure on local TDs. Whether it'll work, only time will tell. Um, TDs bowing to political and sectoral pressure. Well, we all know the trouble that landed us in before. So the only pressure that the TDs should be bowing to is pressure from the medics and the scientists. That's just my view. Uh, but the restaurants and the pubs have their own thoughts upon it. Let us look at the numbers because I said I'm going to look at them differently today. Um, and the, the lads on, on, on the proc were, were saying that, and I have my, I've had for ages my, my Twitter handle has been a cork for zero. And I, I still believe that someday we can get to a, a level of zero COVID in Cork because we did it last summer and we should never forget that we did it last summer. And Places like Kerry and Clare and Waterford are damn close to it right now. But Kerry's five-day average is one case now. Clare's five-day average is three cases. Waterford's five-day average is three cases. Tipperary's five-day average is five cases. That's pretty good going. Limerick is 15. We are 29 now is our five-day average. That's worrying. With 52 new cases in Cork yesterday. So 52 new cases is is a lot higher than we were even three or four weeks ago. We had a five-day average of 13 or 14. That's now 29.4. Those numbers, to look at them, as we do every Friday, would be worrying if it were not for something else. Again, 
the information released last evening by Neffet gave us a total of 456 new cases, uh, 233 men, 223 women. 81% of those new cases are under 45 years of age, which means 81% of those cases are in the cohort of the community that isn't vaccinated yet. What's more, the median age, which is the mathematical average, it's the midpoint of where they are, is 27. So over half of the new cases announced yesterday were under 27. They're the very young people who are not vaccinated yet. So the new cases coming to us, and I'm assuming that in Cork we have the same kind of a pattern, that the new, the huge majority of the 52 cases that we got in Cork yesterday are in the unvaccinated vaccinated sectors, the very young. Now, there's proof that that's probably the case because there's another hub that you can look at that the HSE have been publishing since the start. And I went to the trouble in the last week or two of learning to look at it because it's full of graphs and squiggles and curves and boxes. And, but if you, if you drill down into it, the reading of it is is interesting. Let us go back to January when we were in the midst of this mess. And in the on the 14th of January, between the Mercy and CUH, there was 189 people in hospital in Cork. And the critical care units were very, very busy. 17 people in critical care in Cork. January 14th. 145 in CUH, 44 in Mercy, and they were overwhelmed. And you remember, we were speaking with CUH at the time on the opinion line, and they were just very, very close to being totally overwhelmed. Yesterday, there were four people in hospital in Cork, two in CUH, two in the Mercy, and there is nobody in critical care in Cork. Even a month ago, in April, there was only four people in hospital. In March, there was 12 people in hospital, six of them in critical care. Go back to this day last year, May 14th of 2020, there was three people in hospital and nobody in critical care. And here we are this morning with four people in hospital in Cork. And bear in mind, it's a population of half a million people, four people in hospital and nobody in critical care. And the numbers in hospital nationally this morning are the lowest that they've been since September. So the daily figures that we're getting, it's time to drill a little deeper into them. And when you do that, you begin to realise, in fact, you don't just realise, you know it's there in six-foot letters screaming at us. The vaccines are working. Let us look at the um, situation with regard to vaccine clinics. The HSE are telling us that the clinics are going ahead as normal and not to worry about that. If you have an appointment today for a vaccine, go and get it. The best of luck to you. We did get that email from Donal, who's concerned because he's trying to register since Monday and he keeps getting uh, turfed out of the system and wondering, is that connected to this cyber attack on the HSE. HSE have again said on Twitter 
appointments are going ahead as planned today. The National Ambulance Service is operating as normal. There is no impact on emergency call handling or dispatch, which is good. CUMH has said while all of our outpatient maternity clinics are taking place as normal, our outpatient gynecology clinics have been cancelled. Telephone clinics are cancelled due to the serious IT issue. We apologise for any inconvenience and we'll keep people updated. On the vaccines, we were talking to a person last week in his 70s, says Linda. He's still waiting for his vaccine. He said he was ringing the HSE and his doctor for two days running and he couldn't get through. If I see him today, I'm going to try and help him get his vaccine. He lives somewhere around Military Hill. Uh, I'm driving, says Linda. Thanks. Eddie says he registered this morning with no problems. Sorry, Wednesday morning, rather, with no problems. Good man, Eddie. Uh, that experience seems to be varying, all right. If you're having problems, says Helen on WhatsApp, if you're having problems with registering online, uh, not just computer literacy problems, use the helpline. They're very helpful. 1850 24, 1850, 1850 24, 1850. Jackie's on WhatsApp. My friend registered for the vaccine a few weeks ago. When she heard nothing back, she decided to go online again, only to be told she was already registered. This week, she'd still heard nothing, so decided to ring. The guy she spoke to said she wasn't registered at all. None of her details were online. So he registered, and now she has to wait another couple of weeks. It's a mess for some people. It certainly seems to be. There is a single vehicle collision in Kentuck. The A truck, a cement truck, has hit the bridge and it's gone into the river. There's a photograph on Cork Safety Alerts on Twitter. I sincerely hope that no one is hurt in that. Particularly the poor devil driving the truck. But there's a cement truck has hit the bridge in Canturk and fallen into the river. That's coming in on Twitter from Cork Safety Alerts. 1850-715-996. Quick reminder to you. This time next week, we will be in the thick of it with the Corks 96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Kicks off on Thursday morning, 20th, at 6 a.m. It's different, but it's back. That's all I'll say. We couldn't do it last year with the pandemic being at its peak, but this year we're doing it. It's different, but it's back. And they're looking for you to get involved. All the usual things you can get it should be a change collector you can have a no uniform day you can have a virtual coffee morning not doing coffee mornings in person this year for obvious reasons but a virtual coffee morning all of the information as to how you go about doing that is on the 96fm website www.96fm.ie and also the opinion line will of course be a radiothon zone for two days, Thursday and Friday of next week, and we'd be interested in hearing from you about what you're doing to raise some money. Or, you know, did you benefit from la- the last Radiothon? Have you been having treatment? Are you involved with any one of our charity partners? Do you have a story to tell? Is there someone that you'd like to remember? Do you have a story of you know, being frightened by cancer and coming out the other side because we should always remember. And we'll be stressing this time and time again. Far more people come through it and get out the other side than used to. And an awful lot of that is down to things like wonderful research 
uh, at one of our partners, Breakthrough Cancer Research. So all of those things, all of your stories, all of your input, any fundraiser that you're doing, uh, let us know. Email us, opinion at 96fm.ie. Opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Looking for something for the weekend? You might want to try a bottled cocktail. A bottled one. There have been people doing takeaway cocktails. Uh in various pubs and places for the last few weeks. But now, one very enterprising city centre business has decided to start bottling its cocktails. So popular have they proven uh, during lockdown. So, get to that in just a sec. But Ray says, I was passing by the Remembrance Garden on the intersection of Grand Parade and South Mall last night. It was like a festival. The tourist office would be proud of it if they'd organised it. Why is this being tolerated? Hard questions need to be asked. This is the job of those who are policing the city. The JPC, the council's JPC, and the guards themselves. Why is it going on, says Ray? I see signs every day saying, hold firm and all that. It's a joke. These people could be moved on while it's still manageable. It's just so frustrating. It's not necessarily the meeting outdoors. It's what happens when you have drink. And all that thrown in with it. We all know what will happen after a few drinks, says Ray. And we'll see that this evening. If the weather holds for the afternoon, we'll see it this afternoon in town. We'll see it tomorrow. We'll see it Sunday. Crowds gathering in town. Getting out and about. Doing it in the open air, as they've been told they can. But doing it in far too big numbers. Should they be moved on? And broken up, they absolutely should. Will they be? God alone knows. Does it get to the point where they're verging on trouble before something happens? Yes, it does. Why? I have no idea. I have no idea. But I do know some people are nervous about coming into town because of the, the crowds gathering uh, over the weekend. So just, there's a lot of what Ray says. We're, we're not there yet. We're not out of this yet. So why would we tolerate these big crowds gathering in the middle of the city from this afternoon on until the weekend? If the weather is good, the crowds will be big. Simple. Uh, Phil is in y'all and says, you mentioned the number of cases for people in the brackets that haven't been vaccinated. How many of these have symptoms? Doesn't matter, Phil. If they're infected, they're infected. The PCR test doesn't indicate infection. What does it indicate if it doesn't indicate infection? If you come back with a COVID positive test on PCR, you consider yourself to be infected. How could you jump to the conclusion that the vaccine accounts for the reduction in cases? Well, the data is there. The data is there to be seen, Phil. And then Phil says, it's a seasonal virus that peaks during winter months and drops off with the longer days. That is a theory. Yes, you are correct. The experts now believe that there is some seasonality to this. 
But to call, the huge chasm in difference between some seasonality in that there are certain weather conditions it prefers and certain seasonal conditions it prefers. But to call it seasonal, we're not ready to call it that yet. By any manner of means, nobody is. And then it's been proven vitamin D has a huge effect on immune systems. So therefore the number of cases will reduce. Well, that's true. Vitamin D has a massive benefit for your immune system. I'm taking three times as much vitamin D as I was taking six weeks ago after a conversation with our friend John Campbell about the proven ability of vitamin D to strengthen your immune system. However, we also know that there is there is a huge deficit in the amount of vitamin D that people are taking in this country. There's a, there's a massive problem with that in Ireland. So, just analysing your comment, Phil, you're, you have good points, good points. But they're a bit flawed, if you... And I, that comes from a place of total respect. 1850-715-996. Let us go to Cask, to Andy Ferreira, not far from us here, uh, down there in McCurtain Street. Bottled cocktails. The cocktail list has been flying out the door. Were you using paper cups, Andy, or how were you doing it during lockdown? Good morning. Hey, how are you, PJ? You well? Good, good. Were, were you uh, doing paper cups and stuff? Uh, a very, like... A small bit, to be honest with you, McCurtain Street's not really, you know, that much of a hub for um, for kind of football, you know, especially with the likes of kind of the market, the Mother Jones clothes and all that kind of, it's, you know, I mean, if it was the street was busy and there was a lovely vibe about it, maybe we would have, but it's just not really that, uh, not really that sort of street at the moment, you know. Yeah, yeah. So coming up with the idea of putting them into bottles, where's that come from? Uh, I would say it's come from all over the, all over the world, really. Um, you know, like... There's been just so much talk about how how you know cold the hospitality sector has been since since the start of the pandemic. But to be fair, it's been one industry that's really kind of thought outside the box. And um, you know, bars and restaurants around the world have started to do takeaway. And I suppose the easiest way to do a takeaway model for cocktails rather than giving someone a glass is to put it in a bottle. So what we we'll do is, well, the way we do it is we'll even kind of we'll we'll pre dilute it. Um, so we'll do everything. You can take home the cocktail, stick it in the fridge, chill it, and then you can just pour it whenever you're. Whenever you're ready, you know. Do I have to shake it again before I open the bottle? Yeah, pop and pour. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> I don't. I don't have to, to to shake it again, do I? Before I pour it? No, you don't. No, I mean that's kind of part of the thinking. You know, obviously, when you shake a cocktail or you stir a cocktail, what you're doing is you're adding dilution. So you're you know you're adding water essentially. So what we do is we we work out the right amount of dilution for you, uh, and then we'll add that dilution with the really good mineral water. Um, We've done all the hard work. You don't need to have tools. You don't need to have anything. You have some nice, some nice ice. Maybe that will do if you want to have your, your drink over ice. Yeah. But yeah, the idea is you just um, stick it in the fridge and enjoy it with your with your friends or family or whatever you know. So what have you got available? I've been in cask. Your cocktail list is list is always impressive. But what have you got in bottles? Um, so what we've done is it's probably a little bit more I would say safe. But it's what we've done is we've basically taken six um, six kind of categories of of drink. So. And what we've done, we've done a, a little kind of light seasonal twist on that. So, like, when you're doing a cocktail list, you'll always have a vodka drink, you'll always have a gin drink, you'll always have a rum drink, you'll always have a whiskey drink, and then you'll have kind of one or, you know, two other ones, whether you're kind of a tequila bar. We're doing a lovely um, brandy drink, actually, which is quite unusual. It's a, it's a brandy Alexander. It's a twist on a brandy Alexander. Mm. So, um, a brandy Alexander is a, is a wonderful dessert-style dessert cocktail, essentially made with, with brandy, chocolate, and cream in equal parts. 
Oh, it's lovely. It's sinful. Yeah. It's sin- People have been jailed for less. Do you know what I mean? It, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's great. It's, it's kind of stood the test of time. Did you know, actually, I mean, you're a bit of a court dude. Did, did you know that um, the Hennessy cognac was actually started by a guy who was from um, Kilvullen in, um, in North Cork? Tell me more. Yeah. No, I won't. You can Google it. <laughs> Richard, no, Richard Hennessy, the original guy. Yeah, he's got... Um, They've been they've been kind of they've been tapping into quite a bit now with, with some tours down here in the last couple of years. But gotcha. yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they're, they're probably the fourth biggest um, drinks company in the world. Yeah, um, Hennessy Cognac. You know, so yeah, yeah he, he was he's from Killabullen. Strong, um, good man, yeah. good man. So anyway, what we've done is because obviously we can't put cream in a cocktail. We've used uh, an alternative, which is a, another lovely cork liqueur called uh, Five Farms, which is made from called what? Sorry, um, Andy, you broke up there. Sorry, yeah, we're using a, a cream liqueur called Five Farms. It's a lovely, um, okay. it's a, a lovely quark cream liqueur. And then we make our own kind of woodland liqueur as well. So we'll go out and we'll forage some ingredients from the, from the woods. We'll take some woodruff and some ground ivy. And then we'll make a liqueur. We have um, a lovely... Hang on, you're making, you're making a liqueur out of ivy? Uh, ground ivy, yeah. It's a wild, it's a wild little, um, a wild herb that grows, that grows in the woodland. Wow. Cranky. Yeah. We were Lovely. talking about foraging last week, which was mostly for food. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> my our, my head bartender here, Linda, her my our other manager, she's um, she's kind of in her final year of a degree course in herbology, and she's uh, her 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 knowledge of of, of plants and, and herbs that grow well is just is actually extraordinary. So we're we're very lucky to have her. You know, brilliant, so, um, brilliant. Yeah. Now, obviously, look, everything is about moderation, and cocktails are very strong in alcohol. So I'm sure that you would be encouraging people to be careful. A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. P- people have been obviously meeting up on Zoom and experimenting with stuff on, on Zoom and other platforms dur- during the lockdown. Do you find your customers are knowledgeable about the content of cocktails? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I think especially kind of, you know, with the... Um, especially it's kind of in the last decade, I suppose, as, as more young people in particular have, have kind of travelled more and they've, um, you know, they've they've become I suppose our palettes have evolved is, is what I'm trying to say as, as we've uh, over the over the last decade or so um so yeah I mean look I suppose another big trend because the bars have been closed globally has been education so obviously look at bartenders and, and bar managers and stuff have always been very keen on doing master classes etc but there's been a real demand for uh, for actual consumers as well to do master classes so you can go online and you can do any amount of different classes whether it's gin or vodka or or there's a lot of the companies are sending out samples of their products, and with that, they'll do online Zoom classes as well. So I mean, while when all this is happening, and obviously what's happening is the consumer is just increasing their knowledge, so they'll come into the bar and they have a better understanding of, of what they're drinking. And I think the people are drinking less, if, if I'm honest, but I think they're drinking better. Um, and I think the drinks companies are really trying to promote that as well. Okay. Um, I know, look, that's a different conversation to the... Ah, yeah, but it's, one, it's, it's, it's important when we're talking about drink that we, we, we talk about moderation and we talk about that and, 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 and be is, careful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I definitely. But I think that it, it is also, I mean, I mean, globally, the biggest trend globally is low ABV cocktails and no ABV. I mean, there is a plethora of non-alcoholic spirits out there at the moment uh, there's a new, there's a new one constantly. It's it's actually quite funny that the, the girl who's leading the kind of non-alcoholic charge in in, in Ireland is, is, is a, a girl from Cove called Anna Walsh, and she's the manager of um, a bar in Dublin called the Virgin Mary, which made massive headlines globally as being the first non-alcoholic cocktail bar to open in Ireland. Yeah. Um, they were featured on Australian news. They were featured everywhere because obviously you know the, the the story of you know Paddy suddenly opening a non-alcoholic bar seemed a bit. Uh, Seemed a bit outrageous, but I mean, like their their cocktails are absolutely 
second to none, I would say, you know. Um, so, you know, it's, um, yeah, like it is, it's, it's important that both sides of the story are, are heard, you know, and that it's not just about people going loopy and, um, and you know, getting sloshed. There is other, there's another world out there as well, you know. Indeed. Indeed. All right, listen, good to talk to you. Andy, thank you very much. Andy Ferreira from Cask, uh, just down from us here, underneath us. Um, and they have bottled up some of their cocktails. We've got some pictures uh, on Twitter at Opinion Line 96. There's a statement through from CUH about the IT outage. Um, we'll get to that in just a sec. Just, you know, slightly bigger font on that, Fergal, if you would. Also, the uh, call... We're talking about numbers and holding on and sticking with it for a little while longer. And here's just a call. I'm bringing you this for what it's worth. The the professionals said that all the anti-lockdown protests would cause a spike. They didn't. They said the crowds at beaches would cause a spike. They didn't. It was said that the traveller weddings would cause a spike. They didn't. The professionals are wrong. Over in parts of the U.S., they ended lockdowns and mask wearings and the numbers went down. Well, the last bit is not true. That's just the case. It's not true. It's being spun, uh, politically spun um, in the US. But it isn't true. The first couple of bits I'd be asking for proof of that. But thank you for your call. 1850 996. Just, we'll be actually, there's more businesses popping up and opening as retail gets back going again and click and click gets back going again. And our Fiona has been out doing her weekly Cork versus COVID package. Uh, and this week she's been focusing on retail, and we'll hear that shortly. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. The two grand minute. is Cork's biggest breakfast cash giveaway. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day. On Cork's 96FM. Answer 10 questions. Opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Right, here's that statement from CUH. Uh, as we know, in case you've missed the morning news, uh, HSE has been affected by a ransomware attack, a cyber attack, and it's in the process of being investigated and they're trying to limit it and trying to sort it out obviously. Uh, We don't know whether anyone's asked for a ransom yet to release the systems. What happens with things like this is that you put something is put into the system, something is hacked into the system. You know the way that when you're trying to say buy a ticket for a concert and you're in a queue and you might get dumped out of the system because the system is too busy. You know that kind of thing happens with tickets all the time actually. Well that's What's after happening with the HSE's IT system? Something's gotten into it that makes it look like it's completely overloaded and you get bounced out. 
and the hackers then or the ransomware, the cyber cyber criminals, what they do then is they look for money to release the system. That's all going on at the moment. And the world and the IT sector and Fergo has some exceptional contacts in that sector, is this has been brewing for a couple of days. This was spotted. It's a company called Black Knight which is responsible for a huge number of websites in the country and they spotted something that smelt bad a few days ago and, and it has certainly come in with a bang this morning all over the HSE. Uh, CUH issued a statement saying they're affected by the national IT outage. However, some systems are working in limited capacity, not connected to the network. The limits of the capability of the services, it limits our capabilities. And we wish to advise the public of the following. If you have an outpatient appointment, chemotherapy appointment, surgery appointment, come to the hospital unless you're contacted to cancel. So if you have an appointment at CUH today, unless you're told cancel, come to the hospital. You may expect normal systems to be limited. Uh, CUH may not have full access to your records. Labs are severely affected today. Existing GP blood tests won't be processed. Only emergency blood tests will be processed. Patients with x-ray appointments should not attend today unless contacted to do so. Radiotherapy appointments are also cancelled. Management at CUH, where are we? Management at CUH wishes to remind the public that people should only attend the emergency department in emergencies and delays are also likely there as a result of the IT situation. The hospital will advise if there's any change the current status and Tusla, the child and family agency, there's a note on their website. Tusla wishes to advise members of the public and all professional staff that our systems are not operating. This includes email, internal systems and the portal through which child protection referrals are made. Wow. The measure is for security reasons as the agency is hosted on the HSE's network. Any person wishing to make a referral about a child can do so by contacting their local office. Our front page website is continuing to operate and details of local offices are available there at www.tusla.ie. So the whole Tusla network is down. CUH is limiting appointments today and they still have no idea uh, what is going on as to how long this might last. Also call us as I try to register for my vaccine Wednesday I got all the way to the end of it and it froze. I rang them and they registered me. Then yesterday I got a call from a number in Dublin but missed it. Rang it back but the number wasn't listed. I told that my name, were, my name and number are are in a fraud investigation. I don't get the end of that but the confusion out there is just crazy. 1850 Now we're looking at retail uh, today on the programme with Fiona in her Cork versus COVID series, which we're doing every Friday. And she's looking at how our city and county are doing at a level best to bounce back on any different number of levels. Last week it was uh, festivals, and today Fiona has been looking at the retail sector. 
Let's get down, let's get down to business. Customers are loving being able to come to the store and have the interaction and being able to look around and everyone that's coming in is more than happy to be in the store and feels very safe and comfortable here. It's So Me in Douglas was one of the retailers which opened for click and collect and appointments only this week and owner Vicky Kreber is looking forward to fully reopening on Monday. Oh my God, I absolutely cannot wait to be fully reopened. I mean, I've been opened for one month in the past 20 between the fire and the pandemic and everything so it's just so important for me to be able to finally after all this time get my doors opened properly and hopefully this time stay opened. Also looking forward to welcoming back their customers is Tim Clark of Waterstones. The shop is nothing without its customers. The atmosphere in the shop particularly on a busy day with families um, with, with shoppers in here is hard to beat so we certainly missed that and we look forward to welcoming them back. He's been telling me about the preparations taking place ahead of the big day. Since we closed our doors, over 700 books have been published. So we've been working our way through that. Deliveries all day, every day. Uh, we're unpacking, we're sorting, we're trying to freshen up our offer. We're really excited about the new books that are here and we're trying to represent them as best we can. We're also cleaning, we're also painting, we're also moving. Um, so lots of work to get, to get ready. Many retailers have been operating an online service throughout the lockdown, including Diana O'Mahony Jewellers in the city centre. It's not the same as being open, um, but it has certainly helped us a huge amount through lockdown. And do you think you'll keep that online operation after you've opened? Is it something that you will keep going for the future? Definitely. Um, I, I don't think there, there's a future without online, mm. but I definitely think it, it needs to be a combination of both in-store and online. I, I, I don't think online alone can work. Shane Kennedy says the appointments only service this week has been great for both the retailer and the customer. People are just delighted, they said, to be able to look at things and browse at things and not be looking at a screen to see something and trying to imagine what it looks like. It, like People are just so happy to be back out again. <laughs> Latest instalment from Fiona Corcoran on Cork versus COVID looking at retail getting back open again. And uh, we'll have another package from Fiona next Friday on the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. About the, the sale of books, apparently cookbooks. People have been learning to cook, we know that, learning to cook like they never learnt before. They've been dragging out the cookbooks, some cookbooks that were even used to prop up the bookcase. Do you know the bookcase with the wonky leg, the, the wonky back leg against the wall and you find a book just about thick enough and you slide it. Some cookbooks have been used for that over the years. But now they've been dragged out and people are using them to cook and to learn to cook. Uh, it was it's a lockdown skill that many people have developed. A little more about that in just a second. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread. 100 percent natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Access all areas on Corks 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Corks Entertainment. From shaking off lockdown on your own personal dance floor at the fort to donning headphones for a dynamic visual and audio experience at the port, explore a menu of eclectic midsummer activity on offer of both locations 
with more information at CorkMidsummer.com. Access all areas. The Midsummer Festival features over 40 events from June 14th to 27th when Cork City itself becomes a stage, dance floor, gallery and more. From ports of the fort to your very own doorstep, you can find out more at CorkMidsummer.com. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. So the, the cookbook that was once propping up the bookcase has been taken out and studied in many a house uh, over the last couple of months. One of the most famous books ever written on cooking, and I know so little about cooking, you could write it on the back of a postage stamp, but the same time, well, I... I know how not to poison myself when I'm when I'm putting something together. That's about the limit of it. But Delia Smith's complete cookery course has been in many a home for many a year. Elk, you still use it. Good morning. Oh, I still use it. Absolutely. And I have to start this chat actually with, hello, my name is Elke and I'm a cookbook addict. <laughs> no, seriously, I collect them. How I many have you got? About 400. Get away. No, seriously, I do. Crikey. And, and why? What's the attraction? I just love reading them. I, and, you know, it's the New York cookbooks now, like Tessa Kiros, for example. She writes beautiful stories with it. Right. So you, you get kind of this, this story behind the recipe and so on, where she found it, how she got to it, and how she adapted it and so on. Yeah. It was beautiful to read. Yeah, a few uh, people have written their life story in the form yes. of a cookbook. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. And to be honest, if you could take, for example, chapter one, um, was Lewis's book. He has beautiful stories about the producers that yeah. he's using in his restaurant. You know, so they are, it's kind of more than just a cookbook. It's it's kind of, I have a whole pile next to my bed. When I, when I go to bed, I read them. <laughs> <laughs> and are you cooking all day and all night then? 
No, I don't. Christ, no. Who can do that? <laughs> Unless you're a chef. No. <laughs> no, but to be honest, Celia Smith's uh, 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 complete cookery course, I got it when I was about 12 or 13. <laughs> I was a very fussy eater. So my, I didn't like my mom's cooking. God bless her. But it, So she refused to cook for me. So I had to start cooking myself when I was very young. Christ. And I got this cookbook and it was a revelation. Everything is explained. Everything works. If you follow her instructions, the recipes work. No right. problem at all. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm told here that you, you bought a beef heart. Yes, I did, yes. Why would you buy a beef heart? Because, I tell you what, the wonderful Mr. T and I went to the English market one time. It's now a while ago. And we went to Bresnan's in the English market. Brilliant, yeah. And they have the whole, they, they sell the whole animal, you know, so you can get everything there. And they had a beef heart there. And Terence looked at me and he said, can you cook a beef heart? I said, sure, I can cook a beef heart, of course. <laughs> so we took it home. I went into Delia Smith's cookbook and say enough, she had a recipe there. And what do you do with it? Do you boil it? Do you fry it? No, do you... no. So what I did was I, you had to, it's kind of, it has chambers inside. Yeah. You have to cut through them. There's a lot of tunage that you have to take out. Um, and then I just made a stuffing out of breadcrumbs, like the normal stuffing that you would have. So I had breadcrumbs, I had chives and parsley, right. walnuts, um, parmesan cheese. There was mm-hmm. lots of in there. Right. I stuffed it and then I just put in, uh, smeared it with butter. Right. Put it in the oven and slow cooked it. How long was that in the oven? About two hours. Wow. On a low heat, on a low heat. But it was because Delia's uh, uh, um, advice was you either cook it, you either chop it up and cook it flesh and quick, yeah. or you slow cook it. And what does right. it taste like? Is it is it soft and is it? it no, it has texture. It has because it's a strong organ, isn't it? It, it does a lot of work. Yeah, it's muscle like. Uh, so, so it has texture. So it's so if you don't like to chew your meat, you wouldn't like it. I see. I see. It's mm. not like something like brisket that just falls apart no, in your mouth. No, no, okay. No, no, it's not. No, no, it's not. I not. love a bit of brisket. You see, that's, that's, that's. I know who doesn't. Who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> and you literally just take the book, open up at the appropriate page, and follow the instructions. No, I, I'm terrible at following instructions. And this is actually where people laugh when they see me. Um, I use cookbooks as an inspiration rather than a guide. So, for example, I, I looked at what Darina did, uh, not Darina, Delia did with her uh, um, recipe. Mm. And I just say, okay, I don't like this, I don't like this, but I can do this. Right. And then I just go and do that. And this is actually what most recipes, there's a beauty on recipes. They are not written in stone. You can change them around, you know. Yeah. With baking, I would be a bit more careful because it's, there's a bit of chemistry behind. Yeah. But apart from that, you can just go wild sometimes, you know. Yeah. That's how recipes develop, actually. You know, somebody takes something and says, oh, no, don't like this. I do it this way. Yeah. And it will allow you have a new recipe. Yeah. It's all going into a pot and it's all going into the oven. <laughs> and you can eat it all, every bit of it on its own. So it should Absolutely. taste okay together and you'll only discover afterwards. It's, and to, but this is the, the beauty of it. It's the beauty of cooking. You know, yeah. I mean, to be honest, my I have some really weird uh, uh, failures. I had great oh, go successes, on, go on, but go I had on. really bad. <laughs> I made a, a, a pasta salad once, what? and I thought it was a good idea to put ginger in. Okay. It's not. <laughs> it's a strange thought, all right. I tell you what, even the chickens wouldn't eat it. <laughs> 
ginger flavoured pasta is it no it's a no for me <laughs> yeah I think so I think something like chocolate flavoured chicken it's, it's just not going exactly, yeah. just not going to work just, no. and then was there anything was there ever anything else that you discovered quite by accident oh that's nice and yeah to be honest I never thought that uh, um, uh, that uh, um, it was um, tripe for example so I don't like tripe I grew up with tripe and my mum boiled it God, tripe. Yeah. but you had John Lillehan on a couple of days ago didn't you the barbecue guy that's right yeah and he actually, if you follow him on YouTube, he has actually a recipe there for a brisket. Uh, not for, yeah, he, yeah, he does a brisket, but he also does tripe. He cooks it first over open fire, but then he fries it, he barbecues it. I know. It looks fantastic. I can't, I can't take tripe. I'm sorry. I and know. Almost, as, as, I'm almost ashamed to be a corkman and say I can't do tripe. <laughs> I just can't. Like, Christine, I, I might, but no, Jesus, no, not tripe. Do you know? <laughs> And have you ever tried skirts and kidneys right that whole nonsense? No, no I tell you what, no, I can't do offal as such. I, I did try the heart and stuff, but I kidneys and liver, I just can't do. I can't even cook them. That's the funny thing. I, I wanted to make a liver patty once, and I had to ask my dad to take, you know, the, the white bits out of the liver. Liver patty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't touch the liver. It was horrible. I don't know why I couldn't. Yeah. And I, I grew up with it because my mom loved liver and onions. Yeah. But no, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah, there's cookbooks as well full of foreign food. Like, I, I love Mediterranean food. Yeah. The various the things they do with salads and the things they do with oh, God, different yeah. things yeah. they do with meat and stuff and the use of olive yeah. oil. Like, there's some great books out there full of Mediterranean stuff. I tell you what, the Bible for Italian cooking is actually called The Silver Spoon. Right. And it's quite a big book. Uh, and it doesn't, when you see it, it doesn't look any interesting. It just is a white book kind of thing. Um, but it has every single Italian recipe with variations for regions and so on in. Yeah, because a lot of people would just think Italian. Oh, well, okay, that's lasagna and spaghetti. Nah. <laughs> no, no, no. I tell you what, if you eat proper Italian country cooking, yeah. you have beautiful stews and casseroles. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. My, my, Hunter stew? Oh, God, it's beautiful. Yeah, the Italian casserole with that beautiful, with the smells and yeah. flavours coming through it. Like what, what they can yeah. do with the meat in a casserole. I don't know what it is. It's fantastic, yeah. It's just the herbs and there's the fresh ingredients they use. Yeah, but and the meat melts. It's like they were cooking it for days. It just and melts. It is sometimes. It is sometimes. I tell you, I went to, uh, I lived in Turkey for a while and we had, um, we uh, uh, took a lamb. They killed the lamb. It, it, it was a religious thing for, to, to celebrate somebody's life. So they killed a lamb for that, to celebrate your life. And uh, then they actually cooked it underground for 24 hours. So we dig the hole. We put in uh, like timber and stuff and got a really big fire going. Mm. And when it came down, we put stones on top. Right. And we let the stones get hot. And then we put the lamb on top. Right. We covered the earth back over. And it, it went away. And the day later, we had the most succulent, moist, juicy meat you can imagine. Wow. That's a lot yeah. of cooking. And that, would fall, of that cooking. would fall off the bone. Oh, absolutely. You didn't, have, you didn't need a knife. Yeah. It, you just took it off. And but lamb is great that food. way. If you cook lamb well... You literally yeah. just shake it and it just falls off the bone. It does, it does. But so does beef. Then you have a brisket, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, there used to be um, the, oh God, what were they called? The, the cook's knife or something. There were two lads from Cork. Right. Brian and, I forgot the second name. But they actually had, uh, um, you know, the, the Mardike, the, the Mardike complex. Oh, there. yeah, they yeah, had, yeah. They were there actually every weekend. 
And they actually invited me over and I came in and they gave me brisket and I had a spoon. Yeah. I had a spoon. Oh, brisket is fantastic. Yeah, you know, it was beautiful. It's fabulous. And a lot of people have just decided now during lockdown when the restaurants weren't open and you didn't fancy another takeaway, they've been dragging out the old cookbooks and say, yeah. let's try something we've never done before. It's great, though, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. And, and thankfully, the A&Es haven't been under too much pressure, which means people are reading <laughs> reading very carefully. I know, I know. But I tell you what, now, it's, it's actually wonderful to, tell, to see that the people are taking it from under the bookcase. You know, <laughs> yeah. I say everybody has wonky bookcases now. But it is really one something that I absolutely embraced. I loved it. You know, I could see it and, and people were, and I say, you won't believe how many questions I got. Yeah. What on uh, what do they mean if they say Julienne kind of thing? You know, because the one funny thing is some got really, really uh, uh, difficult cookbooks. Yeah. You know, from, from for example, I have a cookbook called Let's Disco. Let's Disco. Uh, Let's Disco. And it is from Martin Kajuta. He he used to be the head chef in the greenhouse. Right. Oh, no, the, the um, not the greenhouse. Uh, um, Christ, what was it? It's... Um, uh, I'm more interested in the name of the, the book. The Cliff House. Let's Disco, yeah. It's a beautiful book. Right. But if you ever want to cook a complete dinner from that, it will take you three days. Three days? <laughs> three <Okay>. days. <laughs> that's that's, that's mean, taking slow cooking to an extreme, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, he is a brilliant chef, absolutely beautiful chef, and his food is absolutely outstanding. But the book, if, if you buy it as a beginner and you want to cook from it, you get you, you will get discouraged because there's no way you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, what Louis is saying, you know, beautiful recipes, and they are you are able to cook them, but you need a bit of knowledge of cooking already, you yeah, know. Yeah. Well, if you take, for example, Rory O'Connell's Master It cookbook. Mm, yeah. You don't need any pre-knowledge because he explains everything in detail. Yeah, yeah. So every single item is even even five grams of salt is measured out from him for mm. him. You know, so he does all this very detailed. Yeah. And if you start cooking, that's also a good book to start with. Yeah, you have to also remind people it you know, it won't it won't explode and it won't kill you. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Actually, there's a favourite summer recipe, or it's not even a recipe, it's just a, a dish of mine. And because we're not getting away on holidays for another summer, yeah. Yeah, um, it's my favourite potato dish. My favourite way to cook potatoes. It's called potatoes aragudas. Aragudas? Yes, it is Canarian potatoes. Have you seen them? Oh, oh yes. And you have them with the green sauce sometimes, don't you? You do. A green and red yeah. sauce. There's a green yes, sauce, which is garlicky, and a red sauce, which is very oh. full of chilies. Yes, and I love that. And you get the little small potatoes. And, and you're, they're salty and everything, yeah. Yeah, you, you, all you do literally is boil them, and then yeah. you put the, a tiny and amount, and you get the salt on them. And yeah. my God, they're it's gorgeous. Isn't it? It's it fantastic. Is, yeah. And you, you, can get, you can get the sauce in, where did I find it? I found the sauce in Spar. I tell you, I give you the recipe. I have the recipe here. <laughs> <Deadly>. <laughs> okay, lovely talking to you. As always, Peter. Have a good day. Cheers. Okay? Take care. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Yeah, they're great. Those little potatoes. You need small spuds, and you put them into a saucepan or a, a pot, and you boil them away until they're cooked, or almost cooked, and then you take out the very most of the water. You leave water along the bottom, and you just put in shed loads of salt, tons of salt, and you just boil away until they're coated in the salt. Oh my God, almighty lads. It's just reiterating 
the CUH has a major, as the whole HSE has a major IT crash today as a result of a cyber cybersecurity um, attack. If you have an outpatient appointment, chemotherapy, surgery, come to the hospital unless you're contacted to cancel. Uh, systems are very, very limited. They've no access to online records and stuff like that. Labs, blood tests are all very severely affected. If you have an x-ray, consider it cancelled. Don't come in unless they contact you. Radiotherapy is also cancelled for today. Also, the ED is only for emergencies. If you're not a genuine emergency, don't come. And they're apologising, obviously, and doing their level best to get around what has happened with this massive IT crash, which is a cyber cyber raid on their systems. Also, Tusta, the Child and Family Agency, uh, their systems are down. So if you need to contact them in a hurry, you can contact your local office. Don't try to do it online. Even their referral system, their online referral system is down. Um, and you need to contact their main website, which is still operating at www.tusla.ie. And the contact details are there. Have a listen to this. Great skill to write a very meaningful and thought-provoking lyric into a good piece of pop music or popular music. And that's exactly what Vox Mouse has done with that song. Vox Mouse, better known as Roisin Barry. Hi, Roisin. Hi, BJ. How are you? It's a great song. I've listened to it a couple of times now, and every time I do, it, it grips me more tightly. Thank but it's you. a very dark lyric. Tell me about it. It's, it's called You Were Human. Yeah, so um, I actually wrote it, um, it was in 2015, um, it was after um, this woman in America, her name, was Chanel, or her name is Chanel Miller, and she was sexually assaulted while unconscious. Behind well, this was the Brock Turner case, wasn't it? Yeah. This was the Brock Turner case, yeah. So um, I remember just being completely caught up in that like entire story, like as in Facebook algorithms probably had a lot to do with this, but I read absolutely every single article because I was so horrified. Yeah. About you should it. remind uh, people she she was she was uh, raped by a guy called Brock Turner. Uh, he she was unconscious. Yeah, she was unconscious and she woke up in hospital the next day and was told about what happened. And she was in a very small minority of rape victims who do you know, like, he was actually, he was caught at the scene, he was caught running away, and, like, she was able to bring him to court. But for the entire court case, it was, like, her character was completely ripped apart. She was asked, like, what was she wearing, what was she drinking, was she promiscuous, Has she ever cheated on her boyfriend? Whereas, like, he was... I remember like, watching this on television, uh, you know, Roisin, and thinking, Christ, she was unconscious, what the bloody hell? What are these questions about? 
yeah, like, what has that got to do with anything? And, like, his, like, then his side of it, like, you know, he was given great character references by, like, an ex-girlfriend and his dad, his mm. dad even said, like, uh, prison is a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action. Like, he, he, he climbed on top of a sleeping woman and had his evil way with her and they said, oh, God, the poor boy. Yeah, they were like, it was all about his reputation and what was at stake for him. He was like an Olympic hopeful or something for That's swimming. Right, yeah. And it was just so horrifying because like, you know, like I, I've gone out with all of my friends and we've all gotten drunk and we've all, you know, probably done, like probably drank too much, you yeah. know, and, you know, like you expect a hangover, you don't expect that, you know, and no one deserves that. And it was like, it was just so horrifying because that could have been me, it could have been anyone of my friends, it could have been my sister. And I just remember being so just caught up with it that I ended up writing that song about how the justice system treats victims and how society kind of portrays victims. You know, it's always like, oh, but what was she wearing? What was she doing out that late at night? Why did she drink so much? And, like, it's always the women who get the blame, but it's not the person's fault for drinking too much or dressing a certain way. It is the person who does the crime. Yeah, no. yeah. It the song is unusual. The production is excellent in that you 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 know what it's going to be about. So you're listening to the lyric, and then you grab the lyric, and you realize this is actually a fine, fine piece of production. I really do wish you well with it. Uh, profits? Any any profits raised will be going to the Rape Crisis Network. Yes, that's right. So um, a portion of the um, for my part, profits will be going to the RCNI, and also I'll be sharing their donation link. Um, on the uh, on any uh, any promotion I'm I'm doing with it, I'll be sharing their donation link as well. So we really hope that people will um, will will be able to spare some, something for them because they do absolutely and, amazing work. And where can and, people uh, get the song, Roisin? Um So it's actually it won't be released until 28th of May, but it'll be on all streaming platforms. It'll be on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, absolutely everything. Okay. Um, and there'll be a video to come uh, shortly with it. Okay. Um, we wish I'll say one more thing as well, um, yeah, just about the production. Um, the the person I worked with, Aaron O'Sullivan, he was absolutely phenomenal. Like you know, we worked on it together. Kind of, you know, I gave him a few different songs that I was like, I kind of want like elements of this and everything. And he was absolutely brilliant. So Aaron O'Sullivan, he's the man. <laughs> okay. All right, well done with it. It's 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 a great piece of of production and a super piece of songwriting. And I wish you well with that. Roshin Barry, known as Vox Mouse, and her new song is called "You Were Human." The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Quick reminder to you, this Saturday, Trevor Welch is back on 96fm.ie for all the excitement of the Premier League, powered by TalkSport. Exclusive live coverage for you, free of charge of Burnsley. Burnley, rather. I keep calling it Burnsley, I don't know why. Burnley versus Leeds United, that's at half twelve. Southampton v Fulham at three. Brighton against West Ham at eight. It's the Premier League Live Online with now. Only pay for the games that matter to you. Your sport on your terms with now. And listen Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or 96FM.ie. 1850-715-996 into the last hour of our week on the Opinion Line. A reminder to you that everything is 
pretty much up the Gensey in CUH as regards appointments and getting through and information and all of that. Their statement is that if you have an appointment today, unless it's cancelled, go. But that's with the exception of radiotherapy or x-ray. And please do only turn up for the ED if you genuinely are an emergency. They're a bit banjaxed by this IT cyber attack that's affecting the whole of the HSE. If you're trying to contact Tusla today, uh, best to ring the local office because the website is down. Their whole uh, system is down. Of course, they're part of HSC IT systems. Anybody else having problems, do let us know. We, If you have a vaccination appointment today, tomorrow, across the weekend, they're going ahead. If you have a COVID test booked today, they're going ahead. Just to clarify that, that was clarified just before 11. All COVID tests that are scheduled are going ahead. Pauline on cooking and my chat with Elke says stuffed liver in the oven is so nice. I, I don't like liver, Pauline. I'm sorry. You just come up with different ways to cook cheap meat when my husband wasn't working. It's not dried though. The butter in the stuffing keeps it moist. It's really nice. I could, could never take to liver. I, 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 not a thing. I used to. What I used to do is if I had it, is put the, like little, literally a pound of onions in with about two or three slices of liver, and that way it disguised it because liver is very good for you. And then another caller says, PJ, if you really want to learn something, I love when they start it that way. If you really want to learn something, like you're a bit thick, like <laughs> if you really want to learn something different for a lockdown project try Asian green everyday plant-based recipes Ching He Huang I think is the name it's fab sorry caller and this is going to annoy you I need meat I am a meat eater and I am unashamed about that I need meat the only plant-based recipe I want is me veg with me meat 1850-715-996. Ah, here's another tweet. Online registration for COVID-19 vaccine currently not available. But there is a number to ring. And you can ring 1-850-24-1850. Uh, 1-850-24-1850. So maybe that explains the email from Donal, who was having trouble getting in and out of the system for the last few days. And we now know even though it's not being talked about much, but I'm assuming it will eventually, this cyber attack, there's been a smell of it in the IT IT community for a few days. Something was brewing, and it hit last night with the ferocity of a freight train against HSE. Uh, So the online registration portal for your vaccines today is down, but you can... Register at 1850-24-1850 if you're aged between 50 and 69. 1850-24-1850. All right. We're staying up to date with this story as it develops. And I wonder, in 10 or 15 years' time, will it feature in this programme? And I'm joined on the line by the executive producer of Reeling in the Years, John O'Regan, a fellow Cork man. John, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Good, good and it's 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 it as good as ever, John. Well, it I'm is. Glad you you're the judge of it. I can't. No, it is. It is. It's it's. There's something there's something magic about it, and it is really really good. Did you ever think when it started first with the seven? It was the sixties you started with. Did you ever think that it would be the success that it has been? 
Uh, no, not at all, to be honest with you, PJ. I don't think anybody ever could. You wouldn't ever think that, you know, you'd make no more than anybody else working in broadcasting. You make a lot of the, the, the work that you do. You, it's there for the day or the day after. Um, and I thought, it, in fact, going back to its, its origins, it's another Corkman who's responsible for it. I, I uh, was working in England for about 10 years. And I came back to work in Ireland and I was working at RTE and I was doing Kenny Live. And my boss at the time was the late uh, Kevin Linehan, mm-hmm. Corkman, and he was the head of entertainment here. And he, uh, I think he was from the College Road or someplace up around Magazine Road, somewhere there. But um, he was my boss, and I was doing Kenny Live, and he said, listen, what ideas have you got? So I gave him four or five of them. It was about 97, 98, and one of them was for a pilot for this. The BBC had a program called The Rock and Roll Years mm. in the mid-80s, and Granada, the station I'd worked for, had a, sta- had a program called The Rock and Goal Years, which was about soccer and music. And I said to Kevin, well, you know, there's this kind of idea. What if we, you know, did this thing? And he came up with the title Reeling in the Years, actually, in fairness to Kevin. It wasn't me. Um, and so I did a pilot in 98, I think, and they liked it. And then we did the 1980s was the first series. We, did, we put that out in 1989. No idea at all that it would ever endure in the way that it has. Uh, and it's, you know, I'm pleasantly gobsmacked, you might say by the way in which people seem to have taken to it and continue to do so. No, it's, it's, and the thing about it is it, it gets re-shown time and time again and you can watch an episode. I've watched some of the episodes now 10 times and you'll always spot something and you'll, you'll see something different about it. It is it, it, enduring in its quality. But the thing is, when you're going through, and I used to do um, yearly reviews on, on, on this radio station for a number sure. of years, so I know a bit about putting stuff together. Like when you're sifting through hundreds and hundreds of hours of tape and archive sure. film, like how do you decide what's in and out? I mean, you only have a broadcast half hour is what, 27 minutes? 25, 25, yeah. 25. Um, how do you decide? Um, with difficulty, no more than yourself doing the end of the year. <laughs> talk to me, talk to me next December if you're doing the review this year. But um, it's no more than yourself. I'd say you start on paper and you make a list. There are two very talented researchers on the show with me, uh, Owen Cody and Ronan Murphy, and we sit down and we look at a year and we look at newspaper reviews of the year and we listen to broadcast reviews like the ones that you do or television news reviews of the year. And a lot of those are just news. So, but we also look at sport. We look at entertainment, we look at pop culture, we look at music, and I go through the charts week by week. Back in the day, you'd only look at the charts, but now, of course, you have to look at so many different ways in which people consume, for want of a better word, music. And so you're looking at streaming charts and download lists and so on and so forth. And I think in the end, so we make a lot of lists on paper. I start, I listen, I make a long list of music tracks. And I would make a list of maybe 60, 70, 80 music tracks. And we would make a list of maybe 50, 60 items. And we just start going through it and seeing what might match. The music for us is key. And I've always said, and I hope people kind of accept it, that to to your very point that, you know, you leave stuff out, that Reeling in the Years isn't a comprehensive formal news review of the year. It's not the most important things top to bottom. Nor is it a sports review of the year because you can't do that either. It's It's immediately identifiable, John. That's the magic of it. I think that maybe it's the mix, you know, it would, we would always aim for the mix of Irish and foreign stories. We would mix, aim for a mix of music, Irish and, and international music. And you're, you know, you're guided by what's popular and you're, but you're really guided too by what you can fit in sequences where the music complements. The music is, we don't have a presenter, so, but we have the music and the music can be a narrator. You can use it to, to, to comment on the events or you could comment against the events and music has its own triggers at a personal level, I think, for a viewer or a listener. Yeah. That, you know, you connect 
that song to what you were doing at the time. And because a lot of the time, to be honest with you, PJ, no more than what 96 do it when you're play, playing the tunes. You're playing the tunes. These are good songs, an awful lot of them, and they have a popular appeal no matter what age the listener is. Yeah. So you would hope that that carries the programme too. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of Cork content yes. in this current series. I was commenting earlier on there, I was watching the, the, the 2011 or 2012 episodes the other night, yes. the whole Vita Cortex story. Like, yes. That's close to you as a Corkman. How do you, like, again, it's, it's, it's the, the, the Cork, what, what Cork story stands out with you in the series? Well, I think that if you, you, you mentioned 2012 there in Vita Cortex, but I would think if you pick, it's not so much one story, but if you're, if you're, if you're catching up slowly, and don't worry, if you're or two, you'll be repeating it, so don't worry if you mention it. But, but uh, 2013, it's, it, if you look at 2013, you know, you've got small stories like Graham Norton coming back to Bandon, where they named a yes. river walk in his honour. Rob Heffernan, of course, Cork's Rob Heffernan, he won the World 50K race walk. Uh, he was world champion that year. And you've got, you know, Roy Keane coming back with Martin O'Neill. To, uh, to, 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 he was assistant manager then for the Republic of Ireland, replacing Giovanni Trapattoni. But again, across, and the same year, of course, you've got uh, Cork, the LG, LGFA footballers winning um, the All-Ireland against Monaghan. And generally across the series, you know, sport is a huge thing in terms of Cork. It's a long way back to 2010 in the men's football All-Ireland. But you also have to look forward to, I suppose, in 2014 and 15, you've got LGFA and Camogie doubles. And you've got, if you remember, the O'Donovan brothers at the Rio Olympics called like a dog. Yes, they right. pop up again. I'm just editing. Twenty minutes ago, I was looking at footage from the World Championships in 2018, when they and Sinisa Paspuri won uh, won world uh, titles in Bulgaria. And, I, and you know, it, again, it connects in a funny way to your own background, like that. A lot of that success, although yeah. the you know, Donovans are from Skibbereen, but um, a lot of that success is built on a stretch of water near out in Escara, where the National Rowing Centre is now. And near Roofs Bridge, and people might know that. And that back in the day, in the 60s and 70s, was the base for the Cork Powerboat and Water Ski Club, and um, run by the late Sean Kennedy. And, and then there's a Carrigadrohead Water Ski Club further down, Lilla and Aidan Fitzpatrick's. But that stretch of water that the rowers are now training on and achieving their world success, that stretch of water for Cork, that was where an awful lot of the Irish water speed records were, were, were right. attempted in the same way as. You know, I look at the programme, I think it's the late 70s, it might be 78, but we've got a clip there of the land speed records that were, and the attempts for those... Out the straight the day, road. Back in, out the straight road is dead right, PJ. And that straight road, and again, I'm sure you have local historians who ring in and correct me on this, but my understanding of the straight road is that was built by the British yeah. because they had the uh, gunpowder mills in Bannon College and right. they had Victoria Barracks in the city and they, of course, had the port, which they would have called Queenstown. Mm-hmm. And what they needed was a rapid uh, straight road for them to transport munitions from Ballincollig to Victoria Barracks and more importantly probably out to the port, to the naval port in Cove slash Queenstown. So that's why the straight road was the way it is, is the way it is. Yeah. And it was the perfect uh, site for the back land in speed. the day, in the 70s for land speed records. Yeah. And we had, the, the, in, le- in latter years, we had the, the, the Tour de France came, right. came through it. What I noticed in particular with the, with the new series, John, I guess... Um, is that as a as a reporter myself back in those days, co- your your coverage of stuff that that I was involved in? There's a real personal tie, and I think people of a certain age, you know, if you remember your like, if you grew up in the eighties, you'll remember the eighties and the seventies and the sixties. Remember, God, God bless my dad, he loved watching the ones from the sixties and seventies. It's really nice. I think that what, okay, again, I go back to your very, very first point. You said that it's, you know, you said that it's up to the standard. That's my, that's a relief to hear that 
um, but I have what I know. I can tell you what the program aims to do, which is to give you that combination of Irish international light and shade, fast and slow, and to keep you engaged across half, across half an hour. But you what you would hope, and it, talking to talking about your dad there, you would hope that different generations can look at a reeling in the ears and get different things about it. So that you, your dad could have been looking at the sixties, going, "Oh, I remember when I was going up and doing this, that, and the other, or the showbands, or whatever." And you you remember your time and. Yeah. People who are younger than us, our kids, or kids of people of that age, look at it now and they're asking questions to their parents saying, is that the way it was? What's that about? Yeah. So that, and there's some of those events are quite, um, you know, are really, really big for Cork. If you think of 79, you think of, you know, Bantry Bay and the yes. Bethlehem tanker disaster. Yes. And I think of Bantry Hospital and, and Dr. Derek McCoy was a senior doctor there and the way in which... You know, the Bethel Joe's disaster was so... 50 people died in that yes. explosion at the Gulf Oil Terminal. Or I just think of, and again, exactly on the money, as you say, we talk about music, um, but, you know, and Cork, obviously, you can think of the 90s, and you'll say Frank and Walters, and you say Sultans of Ping. One of my favourite clips is Rory Gallagher in 74, yes. where we had licensed the clip from Irish Tour 74, and he's playing Tattooed Lady. And my memory of it is, probably no more than yours, I remember going to City Hall, in what must have been the late 70s and early 80s to watch Rory Gallagher. Yeah. And I just remember the crowd and the sense of occasion and that sense of homecoming. Yeah. And there are two things in, 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 our, in the 74 reading in the years, which again is taken from the film the Irish Tour 74. Like, I am always very honest about it. Reading in the years, people say nice things about it, but it's made from the tips of other people's programs. Mm. It's not mine, you know, it's, it's other people's work, it's other people's music. But there are a few shots of Rory Gallagher just signing autographs and hanging out on the keys in Cork. Mm. And it reminds me of how run down all that area was. If you look at it now, you wouldn't recognize it. But if you remember, right into the mid and late 80s, as far as I can remember, that down by the Keys, just off Patrick Street, of how run down that whole area was. And those five seconds take me back to the city centre of Cork back in the day. Well, here's a, a tweet that's come in. Uh, to the show from Mags, sure. who says, John, the beauty of reading in the years is it appeals to people of all ages. Only a few weeks ago, my 12-year-old was able to answer a question in history in school because he'd seen it on the show. That's great. I wish the 12-year-old all the best. <laughs> he keeps watching it. It's great. That's, no, great. That's John, great to hear from Mags. Congratulations, and it's, yeah. it's wonderful. Did you ever think of all the stuff that you had to leave on the, on the cutting room floor or in the cutting room, room that you might ever want to do it, reading in again, do, an, do another run at a year? Oh, you could. I mean, you're talking about 2011 there, and it's just 2011 and 2016 would be the two years in this series where I would just say you could just do the same again, and you wouldn't even notice it. Um, but that is the way, you know, it, the format of the programme is 25 minutes. We, we might think about doing ours. I don't know. It's it's kind of, it seems to work. And it's bite-sized, you see. Yeah, it works. So you can sit down after the dinner and watch yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, one last thing. Are you aware of the Spotify playlist? Um, I am. Uh, what I've done for, uh, uh, I've done, I've, I am aware of the Spotify playlist. I've done a few myself. Mm. I put them up on, um, I don't want to be plugging RT now, <laughs> but it's on the RT Culture website. And uh, I do, the, I mentioned earlier the long list of um, tunes that I would listen to. So you take 2012, so there's yeah. maybe 10 songs in that, but I would have a list of 50 songs that I would have listened to. So we put them up on the website there. I'm aware of other Spotify playlists, though. But so you tell me. Sorry, yeah, there is a, there is a Spotify playlist called Reeling in the Years mm-hmm. that someone has. I, I'm not too sure if they've if they've continued them now, but it's one of my favorite ones. They actually went through every episode 
and picked every song played <laughs> and made a Spotify playlist out of it. It's great. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's a fair bit of music and memories in that. <laughs> Absolutely. John, yeah. congratulations on another Thank great series. Great Thank to catch you. up with you. That's fantastic. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Would you rather be able to play any musical instrument or be fluent in any language? Fluent in any language? Yes, same. Because I convinced you to love me in a different language. No, but Spanish. No, bonjour. I said bonjour. Oh, just learn the guitar, will you? <laughs> Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. If you're looking for something a little bit different, look no further. Listen to us on a Saturday. It's good fun. Four hours. Thank you. Join us. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. With Popsicle, Castle Street, Winthrop Street, and the English Market, Cork City. The home of mouth-watering, ice-cool, handcrafted gourmet popsicles. See popsicle.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Right, something to watch on the telly over the weekend. You can catch up on really in the years. Or you can go for your true crime if you're into it. You could try this. Son of Sam is not over. It's called Sons of Sam for a reason. Shirley, good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You've watched it? I've watched it, yeah, yeah. I've and done all four episodes. Yeah. Now, at least Netflix are getting a bit of cop on. They're not doing these things in 14 episodes anymore. They they do it in four. What's the premise behind of it? Okay, so uh, I suppose a lot of people would be familiar with the Son of Sam murder cases from the 70s. Um, there were 13, I think, um, attacks. There were six murdered and seven injured. And in the summer of 2017, um, a documentary maker received three file boxes belonging to an investigative journalist, a guy by the name um, of Mari Terry. And this was his life's work. So at the time, the, the police in New York were investigating these cases and there was, arrests, there was an arrest made and a conviction. But this guy continued to investigate and dig deeper um, and the boxes were his life's work for 16 years he investigated and pieced together a kind of an alternative version mm. from what what the police were saying and what was in the media at the time yeah his belief is there was more than one yes so his belief was based on um, initial concerns. There was a lot of discrepancies in the composite sketches that were being done based on eyewitness descriptions. Every single composite sketch was very different to the one before. And I suppose anybody who's watched true crime documentaries or anything to do with crime will know that, especially in the case of serial killers, um, composite sketches are critical. And, num- and the other thing is, is that they will be quite similar and there will be striking similarities in everybody's description. But in this case, it wasn't. And that triggered him to dig a little bit deeper and to believe that there was more than one culprit yeah. um, involved. The also, also the premise was that they got, their, they got their guy and they managed to tick the box and solve the case. But really exactly. they hadn't and, and he wasn't letting it go. He wasn't letting it go and the, the police department at the time were very quick to close the case, very quick to dismiss any alternative theories and they just wanted this guy, David Berkowitz, behind bars and let's all move on. But Maury Terry like, spent 16 years 
deep diving and he was like a dog with a bone at, at enormous personal cost as well, I might add. But he kept going. He interviewed Berkowitz and like not wanting to give too much away, but mm. there are a number of um, alternative suspects and theories presented, which are definitely worth a look at. Mm. Um, and it's done quite well over the, over the four episodes. Yeah. For Netflix, I've often been critical of them in the past. They would never do four where 14 would do. But four yeah. is a great, it's an, it's, a, it's an afternoon, it's an afternoon and evening or it's a weekend sit down. The problem with true crime is you have to be into it. Do, does it reel you in? Is there suspense in it? Um, there's a little bit of suspense. I think it's more the exploration of the alternative theory and yeah. you're kind of left, you can draw your own conclusions because I suppose that's the thing about true crime, whether you're familiar with the crime or whether it's new to you, regardless of what's presented, you will always go on your own journey and you will always yeah. come up with your own theory. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's, as you say, these four episodes, like we've seen it a lot with um, Netflix is great at true crime. We've seen it with um, the the Night Stalker um, true crime series, yeah. the Murder at Cecil Hotel. They're all four episodes, so you can get invested, but you're not you're not on it for two weeks. Yeah, you know, watching like, it. I mean, to be honest, it's not like making a murderer, which could have been done in four too, but they did it in how many? One hundred and four. I know, and you see, I think with making a murderer, that was in the very early days when people were just getting into true crime documentary. Yeah. So people were okay with getting invested, but we're consuming so much of it now, and there's so much available to us that these bite-sized little mini-series are exactly what you want. And like there's lots, like Netflix do it better than anyone else, probably. They do it very, very well. They really do yeah. it very, very well, and certainly worth a watch. I mean, have you got your? Do you think he's right? Now, I consume a lot of true crime and I consume a lot of true crime podcasts. So I think there's definitely a case to be explored here. I think it was, even though the New York Police Department spent a year investigating the individual crimes, this particular documentary doesn't go into that investigation in great detail because it's obviously following the the parallel investigation of this journalist. Um, I think it's an interesting theory to raise and I think the fact that eyewitnesses are contradicting each other as well it, it's it's worth going into and this guy David Berkowitz is still in prison and yeah. he's still alive and he has spoken out about his role in all of this as well Finally Shirley what is your own fascination with true crime it's very popular at the moment strangely particularly among women what's your fascination yeah, I I don't know. I think it's just this, I don't know, it's something very macabre about it, I suppose, in one way. But at the same time, we've been consuming true crime in fiction for years. So, like, if you go back to the 80s with things like Murder, She Wrote and all of that kind of thing. And, mm. like, more recently, we've Line of Duty. And all of these were always massive TV series. So it's nothing new. But the true crime is a very new genre. And I think because it's so accessible to us now as well, we mm. have it in podcast form. Every podcast chart reflects true crime in at least the top ten. You know, four or five of those slots are true crime podcasts. You have it across all your streaming platforms. You have entire television channels dedicated to it. So I think it's just something that... You're either into or you're not, but it's yeah. very, it's one of these rabbit holes that once you go down... Oh, PJ, listen, there's so much. You must be, and just briefly, you, you must be so excited by the amount of stuff we have coming this year on Sophie Tosca de Plantier. Oh, my God. I literally am waiting for Murder at the Cottage. I, that Westcore podcast I devoured. I yeah. listened to Well, that, that's going to be made into a TV show now with the people who made yeah. Chernobyl. So, like, that, yeah. that's going to be top dollar. Top dollar. Yeah, there's a lot to come. And then there's... A, there's um. 
there's the the Night Stalker one is excellent, and then there's the there's a Jeffrey Dahmer one coming as well called Monster, mm. and then uh, so that's going to be great. So that's an Netflix one as well, a four episode, and then there's another one on the case of Anna Delvey, which was a fraud case in the states. Um, there's, that's coming from Netflix as well, so that's going to be that's going to be a big one. There's a lot to come, yeah, definitely. Okay. Exciting time to head in the world of true crime. Shirley, thank you very much for that. Uh, a look at uh, the sons of Sam. Uh, here's something I watched this morning. Uh, Megan Halley. Uh, Megan, good morning. I watched uh, Stand 2 early this morning and what incredibly encapsulating 19 minutes. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Thanks for having me. It's, it's a very important statement of a short film about a guy who comes home, a soldier who comes home, broken. Yeah, it, it is, I suppose... It's a story about the impact of life in the military on both sides of the war. It's the war in Simon's mind, having just come home from war and his ability to switch off. And then as well, the war at home for Julie, his wife, who has to come to terms with the man who has come back. Who is not the same man who went away. No, at all. And I suppose it's a story dedicated to the people suffering from PTSD. Because we know how common it is. And it's so common among guys who've been away at war. Exactly, and I suppose I personally hadn't been exposed to the trauma that comes after war, but some of the cast and crew have personalised the war, so it really, really opened me up to that world, and I just think it's a really important film that shines a light on this topic. Yeah, yeah. What's your, what's your own direct involvement in this? So I played the role of Julie, um, and I also co-directed the film. Yes, yes. It's doing really well. The New York Film Awards love it. Yeah, we were delighted. So we were nominated for six awards in the New York Film Awards and we won Best Actress, Best Acting Duo and we got an honourable mention for Best Cinematography. That's so fantastic. we were delighted. That's absolutely yeah. fantastic. So well, well, well done. Where can people see it? I know it's on YouTube. Is it on any other platforms? So it's currently doing the rounds of festivals um, at the moment. So it's not actually... The, uh, available to view publicly but um, if you want to keep an eye even on my social media and hopefully in the coming months it will be available um, to view as part of festivals okay. And is there likelihood it could turn up in say maybe Indie Cork or Cork Film Festival? Yeah hopefully so we won't, we've submitted it to Cork International Film Festival and Cork Indie so we won't find out until September right. if um, it gets screened to that. Where was it made? We made it in London actually yeah. um, last October during lockdown. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a lovely piece of work, beautifully Thank put you together, so much. and and well done. And of course, um, you come from good stock, Megan. Um, we talk <laughs> regularly to Eileen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just for listeners, Megan is is the daughter of Eileen from Jumpstart Your Conference, so she's certainly jumpstarted your conference, and you're making your way <laughs> in the world. And congratulations. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful piece of work. Very disturbing piece of work, but a fine piece of work. It's called Stand 2. It's, I suppose, a look at, a dramatised look at PTSD in the military. It's only 19 minutes long, but it reels you in. It really, really... Thank you. That that song is called Run From Me by Timber Tombra. Thank you. I just didn't know what it was. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Dairy Made Premium Spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork Cream. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> Hello to the lads in the proc. They're wondering will it be playing pink anytime soon. Do you know what? Stick around, lads. I might. They love pink in the proc. Proc love the pink. The pink, the pink, the. Yeah. <laughs> they love pink. 1850-715-996 Before we finish out this week I want to touch base with uh, somebody whose retirement was announced uh, earlier this week On Monday uh, the news broke that Henry Kremen long-standing Sinn Féin councillor and 30 years a community activist was stepping down from the council with immediate effect and I thought that before the end of the week we should catch up. Henry Kremen, when I heard the news earlier this week, my first thought, because I know you a while, God, is he all right? You are, aren't you? <laughs> I'm annoyed at health, thanks to the God. I'm perfect, uh, not a bother, no. As I say, look, it's a tough decision, definitely. But look, I gave it huge thought and consideration. And, you know, one has to be honest with oneself as well and say, look, if you can't continue with the 110% that you've been given over the last, three decades, like, you know, it's time to rethink, and, and that's what I've done, and, and I, I decided to step down, you know. Mm. You were elected first when, Henry? I was elected in 2009 after after three attempts, so uh, I was in uh, 99, 2004, and as I say, 2009, I was first elected, yeah. One thing of all us in Champaign, let me persevere, and like that, you've been out and actually in Dean Rock with me back along all those years long yeah. ago in relation to trying to get elected. But, you know, we, it just, you know, there were tough times then, let me put it that way. And, uh, you know, as I say, like that, but we kept at it. And eventually, look, we made a big breakthrough then, like in uh, 2009, you know. Yeah, that was four of you elected that year. There was four of us elected that year. And then and, and the following uh, local election then, which we had eight elected. You know, so that was that was huge, like, you know. Yeah. I think people were up for it to give us a chance, you know. Now, what's the process with you being replaced? There will be a co-option. Is it anybody from your local common can put their names forward? Yeah, the trailer clock signal coming to John McSweeney coming there in the south side, like, there's expressions of interest out at the moment. But come the, the, the 7th of June will be the cut-off date for that. And... If a convention is needed, we've started in the 10th of June for that, you know. So the new councillor, your replacement, will be at their first meeting on the 14th of June, I take it? Yeah, it'll be on the cloth for the agenda for that particular meeting. There'll be a nomination in the second or and he'll be allowed to come in on, into the meeting then, you know. At the meeting last Monday night, the tributes to you took almost as long as the agenda itself. <laughs> Please, uh, I tell you, no, 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 don't get me wrong, but I was getting a bit of embarrassing <laughs> and I had to actually apologise to, to, to the people that were tuned in live to the to the particular meeting, you know. It was lovely and very much appreciated as well on my behalf, you know. So what happens now, Henry? Are you a golfer? Do you fish? What do you do? <laughs> I can tell you, no, PJ, to be truthful, I, I tried to play golf in my lifetime, twice, and I'm, I'm a total disaster. <laughs> but I can tell you what I might, 
what I might try and do if I get permission from my my, my family and 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 the Sinn Fein party is I I might try and spend a few a few more weeks in the Basque Country in my camper van, you know. <laughs> I love fishing, love fishing, and I love walking, and I love reading. But do you know what? It's it, it, it's something that I, I'm going to get back into, particularly fishing like that. You know, because like that over the years, like I was love fishing, like you know. Yeah, you you mentioned family, and everybody who enters politics at any level, we should never forget. There's a family behind them, and at the end of a career we sometimes underestimate the role that the family played in that person's career. Definitely, PJ. You're, you're 100% there, lad. And as I say, like, I've had huge support and influence from my own family here, uh, with Sheila, and my, well, my four children, and I have seven grandchildren, and I have what, 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 what my girls called, I have the golden boy, who would be my great-grandson, Fionn, you know? So, again, like that, I, I, I'm looking forward so much Spending so much time with them as well, you know what I mean? When this, and hopefully, when this whole COVID pandemic is history, you know what I mean? That's what I'm actually looking forward to, yeah. Henry, finally, on a personal note, we've known each other on and off for the bones of 20 years. I've always found you a pleasure to deal with, and I wish you well in your retirement. PJ Gurumida Mahagud, wake us, lad. Slan. Slan the fall, Slan. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, someone just wondering, did, did, did Henry Kremen actually say that he wants to go to the Basque country in a camper van? He did. He absolutely did say that he wanted to go to the Basque country in a camper van. <laughs> Finbar Archer, long-time driver of the Lord Mayor, says wishing Henry well a pure gent. And he is, in fairness. I remember canvassing or going out on a canvassing run with, with, um, with Henry as part of local election coverage back in the day and he banging on doors and everybody knew him. But uh, it took him a long time to get elected. 1850-715-996. Retail's coming back slowly but surely. And click and collect uh, is, is the way to go this week. Why on, are you doing this for the first time in Pinocchio's and how's it going? Um, so far, it's been very good. Um, you know, like it's, it's sort of tailing off now because obviously people know <laughs> that it's imminent, our reappearance. Um, but no, I mean, click and collect, like it was annoying not having it, yes. I have to say, because obviously that was penalizing local customers. Um, and yet, I mean, you know, you had queues outside coffee shops and queues outside other places waiting to go in. But for some reason, we couldn't do click and collect. It was a bit, it was a bit well, to me, as a, as a, a small retailer, it yeah. was a bit daft not allowing click and collect for us, but... We obeyed the rules, but yeah. um, but it, it, it's nice to have it back. And I mean, at least it means there's the odd customer coming in to pick up stuff, which is nice. Yeah, it means you yeah. can do a, a, a bit of business and all that. Yeah. 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 So, so you're opening on Monday in opening full, on are Monday. you? Yeah. Excited We're about that? Preparing. Oh, thrilled! I, I, I can't wait to have people walking around again. It's it's you know, like retail is all about you know human interaction. I mean, online we've tried to to as much as is possible online to try and give the same feeling as you would if you were in the shop but it's not the same thing i mean yeah. 
you know, I mean, I, I know from, from talking to, to customers that I've been delivering to that they just can't wait to get in and just browse in the shop. Yeah. Well, the, pick the, out what they want and... Your shop is a little treasure trove and people will be de- delighted to get in there. Wyon Stasfield uh, of Pinocchio's. Uh, clicking and collecting at the moment, back with the rest of retail. On Monday, 1850-715-996. Right, last bit of business today. 40 years tomorrow, he walked in to a radio studio. A 15-year-old, shaken with fear, but off to, ready to go. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, you used to play that uh, on radio, on Pirate Radio, and that uh, in the Delacy House in the disco bar downstairs all those many, many years ago. A lot of moons gone by since then, mm. but uh, brings back lots of memories. The, mm. That's the Pipkins, wasn't it? The that's Pipkins. right. Give, give, me that ding. give me that ding. You were only 15 when you went in and do your first radio program. Was that just something you wanted to try, or was it the determination to get into broadcasting at that stage even? I wanted to get into broadcasting and I was still in a short pants. I remember climbing the steps of uh, 2A French Church Street, Cork City Local Radio, CCLR. And uh, a 15-minute slot, uh, a couple of months later, I got a massive break in broadcasting. The show was extended to 20 minutes. And, um, it, you know, I really got a, 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 an appetite for it. It's, it's like a drug. You, you love it. Uh, broadcasting is uh, a, a drug. It's fantastic. It's no two days are the same. Mm. You meet an amazing array of people. I've met yourself and so many, made so many friends over the years. It's, a, it's an incredible career. Yeah. And a lot of people that now work here went through that, that building in, in French Church Street. And it's, it's like radios in Cork is a family. Television came along in, was it the 80s, Paul? Sometime in the 80s, yeah. I remember I was actually in hospital at the time. I was after having an accident and there was an audition. I had uh, sent in an, uh, an application for a job in Cork Multi-Channel Television and I had to actually discharge myself from hospital to go to the audition. Otherwise, I would have missed probably an opportunity to, to land a gig. And uh, I, I went in to the studios there in George's Key, sat down, did a little bit of an audition, got the show. And a lot of people would remember uh, what they might call cringe, but it was a cable shopping, Cork cable shopping. We were selling watches and jewellery and exercise bikes. But you know what? That particular slot, that programme was way ahead of its time because cable shopping is so big in this day yes, and age. Yes, the whole channel's um, devoted to it now. Yeah, yeah, 24-hour shopping channels. Progressed from there to presenting music shows, uh, magazine-style programmes, and um, you know, and also Candid Camera because that was... I love comedy, I love crime. C&C, Cantor yeah, and Cochrane. You caught me uh, rotten and, and I've never forgiven you. Yeah, people will remember. I mean, Candid Camera, the old and trusted, uh, tried methods are the best. And people will remember, of course, Gay Byrne and Mike Murphy. So what we decided to do, I was in multi-channel at the time. I rang 96FM. I asked them to get you to come along to Merchant's Key, stand in front of a camera. You were mic'd up. You couldn't move. And talk a little bit about yourself and what you do on 96FM. And this was, they told you that this was an ad for it to go out in multi-channel. But every time you were attempting to do your little piece, I was dressed up as a hobo and, uh, you know, a few drinks too many and I was causing riots in the background and people were standing by and you were, Jesus, will you ever, somebody move him, somebody move him. You were beginning to lose the rag. And I I've long were, since lost that recording. I wonder if you've got it. <laughs> 
you know, unfortunately, I don't. And I mean, if anybody out there has any copies of any of the candid camera stuff in Cork, we'd love it. It was done on a budget. And I mean, when I say a budget, a budget, we had one camera, um, one little microphone, and we were winging it, you know, really. And they were your own clothes, like, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember you doing wind ups uh, with with a great friend, and you did a bit of stage comedy with a great friend of both of ours, uh, you know, Tom Canine, the late Tom Canine. You were in comedy yeah, we, for years. Yeah, we used to do a, a comedy mime act. Um, we used to call ourselves the Physical Rex. He was physical and I was totally wrecked. Um, and we did the cabaret scene for a couple of years. Um, I always remember playing up in St. Vincent's GA Club. It was one of my favourite places to, to gig. The cabaret scene as well was a massive um, uh, time, you know, in the, in, in the, in the exactly. 80s and 70s and 80s, whatever like that. When did the change um, into news come, Paul? Um, 19, well, well, when it was with 96FM. That's right, you were here for a few years. Story. Yeah, yeah I, went, I went up for, to fill in for two weeks and I lasted eight years. Mm. Um, and uh, I got a taste for news. Uh, Barry O'Mahony, in fairness, he kind of took me into the newsroom and he said, well, you're filling the kettle, go down there and interview somebody down at Patrick Street or go over to this press reception and what have you like that. And uh, I really started to get a taste for news and we've got a very big story at the time, unfortunately, that... Uh, the murder of Patrick O'Driscoll, right. Kevin Ball and Carl O'Brien, the House of Horrors. We played a big part in, you know, I won't say solving it, but we found a, an area where one of the bodies had been buried. That's right. Um, and I just... Yourself, you, myself you know, and the late Frank O'Brien worked that story together. We did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. News is fascinating, you know, and it, it throws everything at you. Um, and it, it's an incredible medium, rare radio and TV, really. Paul, have you a story that haunts you? That, that, that you know, the one that you want to see solved before you you quit this business? Um, I suppose every unsolved murder. Uh, you have the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. You have the disappearance of Tina Satchwell. Um, I know people to this day, they still, they're puzzled what happened. Uh, they want answers. The guards want answers. And, you know, you, our guard wants answers. We've been working on those cases for so many years. Uh, whether we'll get to the bottom of them or, or not, we, we just don't know. It's, it's a puzzle. We're, there's, there's pieces out there and they need to find them to, mm. to, to put it together, that jigsaw, you know. You're, but, uh, you're, also a great, you're also a great believer in that local can be national and you push Cork at every opportunity at Virgin Media and, and congratulations to you uh, for doing that. But you also have a knack, and I'll compliment you on it, ordinary people speak to you because you're an ordinary fella. I love... Mr. and Mrs. Murphy, Mr. and Mrs. Toomey on the street. They're my stories. Punter television. I describe it as punter television. I'm into politics, but I love the human aspect of television. And I just treat everybody the same. As I said to somebody, I've been in the mansions, I've been in tenements, I've been with the richest of the rich and the most unfortunate of the most unfortunate. I treat everyone the same. I look down on nobody. In fact, I said to somebody this morning, um, I remember interviewing a less fortunate person on the street. I've interviewed loads and loads of them and I've become very good friends with some of those people that we, we, we sometimes, you might pass on the street every day with a cap in their hand. And I remember one of these gentlemen saying to me one day, Paul, you never... The only time you look down on somebody is when you're reaching out, putting your hand out to pick them up off the ground. And I thought that was very, very, uh, you know, a nice piece. And it stuck with me. And uh, you treat everybody equally, you know. Oh. Yeah, well, you're a, you're a true pro, my friend. You've been at it a very long time. And I wish you well. Thank you so much, PJ, to you and Fergal and Terry and everybody there in 96 And over the years, I enjoyed working there. I really did. And uh, thanks to everybody who's been listening to me on radio over the years, to who's been watching us on TV3 and now Virgin Media News. 
And um And we're not really yet, was, like you're only young for that. <laughs> I as you see I started when I was minus six. So. <laughs> Paul, good luck and best to Deirdre and the family. Uh, my old friend and colleague and workmate of many, many years standing. Forty years in the game. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Paul Bourne of Virgin Media Television, formerly of this parish, spent many, many happy and crazy years here. I started this oh by the way, Wyon is opening from Monday. Uh, we want to mention that. 